right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Yet another Ryder Cup check-in. Is this our last one before the Ryder Cup? I don't know. It's September the 5th. Uh, we have, I think we have a few things to talk about. Of course, this episode is brought to you by our friends at BMW, a worldwide partner of the 2023 Ryder Cup. BMW will be electrifying the Ryder Cup with a fully electric fleet of vehicles for players and officials and podcasters this September. I only added one part of that. You can guess which maybe part that might be. I'm hoping it's case. Sally here, joined as always across the pond by our guy, Jamie Weir. Hello, Jamie. Hello, Europe calling. Glad to see you all. It's the uh, last day of the summer holidays here. The kids are going back to school tomorrow and just a few weeks till Luke Donald's 12 Heroes in Blue school the US as well. So everything is rosy. Dangerous to put stuff that bold on the record when I think we're going to have a lot of record reading back into this episode. Yeah. Kyle Porter is here with a patented grin on his face. Hello, Kyle. Yeah, I'm I'm doing well. I had a I had an end of summer injury yesterday, Jamie. The older I get, the worse the injuries become in terms of uh, how embarrassing they are. I was diving into the pool and I just like I can't move my neck, my shoulder. It's kind of like when Cat won Tory in 2008. I'm just playing through it, getting to the end of this podcast, and uh, I'm excited to excited to talk about um, you know what what's going to happen in Rome here in a few weeks. Similar to how uh, Clayman hit Rory with a subpoena on Christmas Eve. Like I got hit with basically hit with a subpoena over my Labor Day weekend. So I spent most of it working, building the case of the outrageous charges that were lobbied against me that I think we're going to get into <laughs> by uh, Prosecutor Tron Clayman, who is here. Hello, Tron. Oh, oh, how about that, guys? <laughs> we did it. What an intro. We did it. We rocked them. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about what that sound was and what it meant. Uh, I, first of all, we have a lot to get into, but I, I cannot believe it has been, I, I think, seven months since we've had an NFL game. I know you're a big NFL guy, Jamie, but uh, it, the good thing is that is over this week. NFL is here in DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for week one. This week, new customers get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. DraftKings is, hook, is hooking Everyone up with game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check the app to see what you get. Download now and use code NLU to sign up. New customers can take home 200 bets in bonus bets, $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting five bucks. Code NLU only on the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.com. Org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. That is not the most long-winded section that we are going to get on this. Nice podcast. one. Well done. Packers, Packers at the Bears this Sunday. Soldier Field. You know, We've said goodbye to the old guard. It's the new era now. It feels much like the European Ryder Cup team I as well. I was ready to make the same comp, but I'm, I, with no further delay, I'm just going to turn the, the floor over um, to Tron Carter. You can, you can go wherever you'd like with this. The, the floor is truly yours. 
Sally, before we do that, uh, do you have anything to say? Uh, I am very excited uh, for you. Or I was very excited for you until you lashed out um, on, on social media and seemed to very, very strongly uh, disremember or forget uh, how this year has unfolded and the things that have been said. So I was going to give you the chance to make your case for what you're so upset about on what should be a celebratory day for you. Uh, I would have thought it would have been, but the way you chose to celebrate it was was shocking and concerning. And uh, I just, that's why I want to give you the chance to speak. First. Yeah, well, thank you for that. I uh, Listen, it is a celebratory day. I am so excited to be here today with, with, with my friend Jamie, fellow Ludwig supporter. First of all, I want to address the, the, the accusations that we've been Take note of that one real quick. Just want to note that one for to come back to, but go ahead. His last name is Auberge, not Aberg. That, that's um, actually wrong as well. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's actually. If, this if, is if, why if, I don't you know, say his I know last we've name. Got, I just say Aberg. I know we've got a lot of Swedish listeners. It's actually Aubrey. This is going Aubrey. well for y'all. Aubrey. The G, okay, so, the G yeah. is almost like a Y. Aubrey. You've lost the jury okay. already. There you go. Well, uh, my uncle Pear has has continually texted me and said, "Get his last name right." And I said, "No, I'm just going to call him by his first name." He's one of those guys. He's like Neymar or Ronaldo. Tiger. Where he explains it, right? TC. I'm sure. What's You've that? seen the video where he explains it? I have. I have. I still am okay. not going to. Can you? I'm not. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to say you can relay that if you really have seen it, because I don't know if you have seen it. I have. Okay. I have. Because he addresses, um, he says, like, my American, like I say Ludwig Aberg. Yes. Like, in, in English, yes. that's how you say my name. That's what I'm going off of. So uh, everybody can can step off there. Anyway, I went back all the way to the preview pods from 2021. And... You know, Kyle, you said some things about, you know, kind of, first of all, we didn't even talk about Europe until an hour and 15 minutes. And actually, this isn't a we thing. This is, this is Kyle, KVV, and Sally. Didn't even get to Europe until an hour and 15 minutes into the preview pod in 2021. Uh, I spent a bunch of time shitting on Westwood and Poulter ignored any how'd that go like, what's the record like are you reading back things that we should regret because the US no, no, no. i'm just setting the context Perfect. here all right i'm just this is the, listen the floor is mine okay was this in the art was this in the rv no no the, i i think this was this was uh, actually i'm not sure if this was in the rv or not this might have been prior even to the week okay uh but porter porter you said quote i don't see what the transition is beyond hovland uh, sometimes I said, and then, you know, I'm thinking there, sometimes it's just not clean and there's not a break between eras. There's, there's, you gotta, you know, have a transition or have a, a rough spell. Uh, Solly was slurping the U S team calling for a decade of dominance. This was 83 minutes in, uh, KVV had a great Mr. Player reference, took some shots at Poland, which I thought was maybe, uh, some, some great f- foreshadowing <laughs> there. <laughs> then we get into, uh, the Saturday uh recap uh from the rv randy and i we went in on rory uh we told him to take a gap year uh in 2022 and uh and then you know lowry sat on a saturday we were we were appalled at that listening back i was i was blown away at how much we were riding for lowry so that kind of goes into i feel good i feel better about him on the team now than i did prior to listening back to all this and then three minutes left in the episode randy and i once again mentioned ludwig uh, we said, Hey, we, you know, there's this guy we've been talking about him, Ludwig, he's coming. Da, 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 da. Then we get to Sunday. Randy felt great about his decision to come over to the Euro side. Uh, Sally was saying we a lot. Uh, and then 13 
minutes in, I say, let's hold our horses on the U.S. team. Things can change. Neil calling for Harmon to get on the U.S. team. I wanted to shout that who, out. That who was agreed that's with sick. Who agreed with him? That was sick. Say and Sally agreed with him on that. Uh, yeah, you, you nodded your head. Listen, Sally, this is this is going to be this is audibly this is going to become a theme of of you know you agree but you can't quite stick your neck out. Okay? You're gonna we'll get there. We'll get there, this, dude. Uh, and then I said that <laughs> this Ludwig guy that we keep referring to, Randy apologized to strokes gained. DJ was sort of pimping Paul Casey, which is insane. Uh, I, I had kind of a Poulter moment. I said Poulter may be on the team again. Um, then I mentioned the Hoy guards. I mentioned Guido. And uh, and then Cody somehow mentioned uh, Tom Brady as some sort of model for Rory to look at. And, uh, you know, he's got his family life Move under on control. Computer. Anyway, episode 484. Oh, my gosh. We're going through every episode. <laughs> yeah. So there's some good stuff in here. Solly calls out Hovland and Rory, says it's different if they play well in Europe. You know, so, Solly, credit to you there. Going back and listening to all this stuff, Solly, you were much more level-headed and reasonable and logical. I think you're ODing on reason and logic and rationality. You need to think with your heart a little bit more sometimes, okay? You need to go out on a limb and commit to things sometimes. So like the JT like the JT thing? Yeah, sure. That's fine. Uh, October 18th. You see, if I committed to Ludwig being on the European team, would that qualify? Like... Yes. When? Like what, yes. what, what would have, when would have been a good time to have done well, that? Well, this is this is the key, this is the sticking point, right? Yeah, yeah. He's a Johnny come lately. As soon as the the, the winds of statistical when would a good time have been analysis. To do that? What, Maybe six to eight months ago. So when he was an amateur an amateur golfer. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Really stick your neck out. So okay? so you're you're and this is only me you had this trouble with, right? The rest of the golfing world was saying Ludwig should be on the team in February or how, how do you oh, want to so the rest of the golfing world isn't saying that this was obvious and we saw this coming and da 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 da. If I would have hypothetically said, like, hey, if like I love the idea of Ludberg being on the speed track and like if he shows anything when he turns pro, put him on the team. If I said that in February, you'd be like fine with that. Listen, Sally, we're gonna get there. Okay. okay. Um, October 18th, 2022, TC, Porter, Jamie, and Sally. Jamie nailed some things. Uh, there, I mentioned Ludwig a couple times. Uh, I said I'll stick up for ZJ. Uh, then I said he's a total loser, but uh, <laughs> but his career arc kind of in the same breath know, leaves me thinking that he's uh, he's you know he'll be a good captain. I, I take that back. I said they're stuck between generations, but it's changing this year. Uh, Jamie left left Team Rose off, which I loved. Took Rasmus over Nikolai, and Jamie, you were absolutely riding for Guido. I've never seen anybody ride for anybody like you were riding for Guido. <laughs> so remarkable. Uh, I was riding for Norin. Jamie also said Noren, uh, which was very interesting. We've already proved that my Swedish pronunciation is pretty spot on. So, you know, I was riding for Ludwig basically the whole episode. If you want to go back, 109 and 114. Solly said, Europe has irons in the fire. I'm a little bit concerned about the depth. But they're looking good. So they're punch. So Sally, I'll I'll give you that. We go to episode six fifteen after Taurus Sauce. I said Sally, you know, I, I said Ludwig's going to be a generational talent. He's going to be a stalwart for the next twenty five years. And then I came off of that and said twenty years. One big theme here is DJ just shits all over the Valspar and all of our uh, Ryder Cup stuff. DJ and Sally, it's disgusting. Episode six thirty. 
uh, about an hour and 27 minutes in, Neil picks Ludwig to win on the PGA Tour this year, which I thought was, you know, of wrong, extremely, right. extremely good. For the record, um, that did not happen, right? Well, it still yeah, could happen. He came close. It still could happen. Yeah, I thought it was, you know, that's an that's an example of of Neil sticking his neck out and and making a making a call and sticking to it. Episode six forty seven. This is where it gets really interesting. This is the Honda Classic recap. KVV, Neil, and Solly list their European Ryder Cup teams. KVV is on Rose, Sep, and Power. Uh, Solly shits all over KVV can't, for can't do it both ways for picking Sep. I shat on it. Is that is that speaking clearly? Is that speaking my mind? Is that speaking clearly on the topic? It Which, is. Okay. It is. Okay. So you. Okay, so it you, is. You were on the you were on the wrong side. I'm just throw the know, other evidence out. No. The Ryder Cup yeah. has not been played yet. I'm not. That is yet to be proven. You are flag. Neil, Neil puts Ludwig on his team. He was riding for Ludwig. Uh, Did, wait, was Ludwig, was, or do I have to play it? Wait, was the Honda too late, or was that early enough? That was early enough. Hold on, hold on, hold on. And Solly says, if Ludwig shows anything, shows some signs of life, take him. But that said, he does not put him on the team. Let's let's just go ahead. If you, I didn't have full confidence that you would relay the full quote, so I'll just I have it here and I'll just play it for for everyone to hear themselves. Aberg, you listen. I think if he shows really any sign of life when he makes it there, like do it, like do us put him on the Spieth track. Like Spieth was on the 2013 Presidents Cup team as a 19 year old or 20, maybe it was 20 at that point. Like do it, just freaking do it. Like you got you have some spots to play with because you don't have like the incumbents sitting there that ha it's their spot to lose. It's kind of like, ah, do, do I like need Thorbjorn Olsen on the team or do I take a risk for the future or give somebody that has a chance to have a crazy good week? Keep, uh, no, keep it going. That's replaying. That's re it's really. Oh, uh, uh, because then like, you, you pick your team and you don't put them on the team. That's the problem. You throw it out there and then you, and then do you, you want to read back your teams that you've posted for the, like for an eight weeks Ludwig's on every single one. But that's of them. the only thing that matters. You could do, like, that's the only thing that matters. You, you do none of your I, wrong picks. I, suck by it. I can't I throw suck one by qualifier it. in for an amateur golfer. If he would have shat the bed when he turned pro, you would have still like written for him to be on the team. Well, no, I, because I knew he wasn't going to shit the bed when he turned pro. That's, that's the thing. I believed in him. Congratulations. Whereas you walked up to the line, you kind of looked around and you said, Hey, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to qualify it. So I knew there I'm was 0.0% 0. 0% chance of if he played poorly, he would be on the Ryder Cup team as a three, with three months as a professional. You're prosecuting the wrong person here, too, because there's somebody that's messing around with their light that has some quotes that are much more recent that are putting <laughs> doubt in this. I don't know. Oh, look, it's one yeah, nice this is malicious prosecution, and you have a bone to pick with me specifically, and the evidence is not supporting you, sir. Solly, then, then two episodes later, episode 649, 35 minutes in, we get to the Ludwig talk after after I efficiently went down the leaderboard. This is like your bloody glove. Um, <laughs> you, you said it's extremely impressive to see him doing this, but it's not like he's a young buck out there. He's 23. All right. He's he's a professional at this point. He's, like he's not even the youngest guy on the team. That's a compliment. He was a professional playing amateur golf. How do you how do you not see this? You can't even see Solly. the compliments. You're so <laughs> driven by this hate. I went I went back then and looked on Twitter. You have you have tweeted his name twice. Unfair process. Like before the last week, you've tweeted his name twice, one of which was was making age-related jokes about him, which, which you've been prone to do, uh, going back to like 2014, 2015, when you were absolutely smitten with Brooks Kepka. I mean, you, you would tweet about Brooks 
nonstop. I just, I want you to, when he was winning, if you're all about Ludwig, I want you to stand for something, man. I want you to put your neck out and believe in something, not just qualify. TC, are you a man of your word? Would you say you're a man of your word? I am. I'm a man of my word. I'm a man of faith. Okay. Can I play something for you? Because I feel like we've litigated this and I feel like we've settled this. So if you allegedly as a man of your word has just done this, wasted 15 minutes of listeners time, I'd like to play this for you. Can, see, I, can, we, can we call a truce on Ludwig? Uh, <laughs> nothing but the nicest things to say about him ever. And uh, I've, I'm getting bullied in our slack when he, for every good shot that he hits. And I just <laughs> would like to declare my support for Ludwig and his career. I'm very excited about him. I want to be excited about him. You are making me root against him. And I just want to, I want to call off whatever beef we have over Ludwig. And just, I want to call for a truce here. Do you, do you apologize for calling him old? I don't. He's really old. Uh, I don't want to call. I don't apologize at all. Do you but apologize I, for fluffing Tom Kim? Uh, mm. Absolutely not. And I, don't know, Tom, to, I uh, don't know what Tom Kim has to do with this. We at might all. be at an impasse there. <laughs> I don't know what he has to do with this. Like the Wagner group. And, uh, Ludwig is an incredible maybe. talent. I'm yeah. excited that he's, I like the path to the PGA tour through PGA tour. You, I like the immediate, like, I agree with you that this wasn't even a special week for him. And he finishes T24. And I just, I want to be able to enjoy it. And I, I don't want you 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 don't want you don't want that either. You want you don't want to deprive me of the joy of rooting for Ludwig. So I just will ask that we get to that right here, right now. It's us against the world, baby. You know, uh, no, I, I truce, Sally. Thank truce. you. We can, mm, we can, that's big. That's, that's thank you. You know, you're a gentleman. Wow, Sally. That's wow. listen. Wow. You went back on your word. You continued to make fun of his age. I straight up said I wouldn't stop making fun of his age in the truce. Uh, I, oh, okay. The, ter- the, 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 the terms of the truce, I went back and, and the, the record, I can't do this. I can't do this. I, I, can't, I can't let you on the squad, man. I just can't. You went back. Do you want to get to the record where I emphatically stated he should be on the team three months before anyone else? It, no, you said, you said if he's playing well, put him on the team. Okay, well, let's play. You didn't say put him on this. Got to show up and recap. Dude, Ludwig's number nine on my list. Like he's really? not even 12. No, he's not 12 spot. Like, no way. That's Absolutely not. July. I mean, yes. my, my list goes Rom, Rory, Hovland, Hatton, Fitz, Tommy, Lowry, Rose is the top eight. I think that's, I don't think anyone's yep, going to have that. Same with you. Yeah, same with me. Ludwig is a no-brainer. Like, there's no, there's no, almost nothing he could do between now and then that I wouldn't want to take him on the team. Like, the talent is obvious, and you are not going to have four other guys beat down the door and play that go to golf that have as high of a ceiling and could have the week he possibly has. And it's going to be a huge part of the future of this team as as Aberg is. There's, there's, he's, he's, he's dying to get to the Ryder Cup. He's so old. He's never been a part of one of these teams. Like it's time True to get him Scotty in. Scheffler situation. Yeah. It's time to get him in one of these. It look, I, I don't even think it's a discussion at this point, really. It, it, Cause looking back on this, they're going to look so dumb like, by 2025. Uh, like, cause he's going to be probably be one of the top 10 players in the world by that point that, that they didn't have him on this team when they had an underdog team and they had no one that, they just don't have the depth. Like, it, 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 would Ludwig make the U.S. team is an interesting question right now. Like, right. that would be a close call, but he's that level talent. And he just, you know, if he had enough starts to get it to get it done, he would uh, take care of it. Sully, that's eight, that's eight weeks ago, man. That's like seven or eight weeks ago. Like, I, I, like I, you know, after he's played well in all of his pro starts. That was less than four pro starts, I think, at that point. Well, again... He, he came out guns. Wait, what is the point here? 
I just want you to, I want you to believe in him. You can't say that you believed in him all, all along. And then, and then, you know, that? basically, have I said that? you've, you've, you've middled it. I truly don't get your point. I've moved to dismiss this case. Uh, you know, it's just, I'm just glad that I'm glad to see you back on the, the, Hey, you know, Europe needs to invest in the future that I'm, I'm gutted for Rasmus. I think Rasmus Wait, should should also be on the team. on that. I said that a year ago. I said you should go for the Hoygaard twins or some upside picks in the bottom. You did say that. <laughs> you, you, you did say that. Anyone else want to weigh in here? Do you want to ride for t- for your European here, uh, man, Jamie? Um, afternoon, everyone. It's lovely to get a word in edgeways <laughs> after 22 minutes. Um, I, I've got two observations to make, really. The, the first is... I'm absolutely astounded. I mean, you're a new father, Solly. Son's got, Tron's got two kids. Porter, I mean, I think we've lost track of how many children Porter has, but we're all busy, man. I'm astounded you've got this much free time to go back and listen to so many podcasts. That's the clip up um, sections from podcasts. So hats off to you both. Secondly, look, unlike um, the pretzel here, I have to put my hands up and admit, uh, Tron, I didn't see it at all. So hats off Thank to you. you. Jamie. I, think, Some I think it is an Thank astounding you. call. You were doing this as, as, you know, a week after Whistling Straits, you were calling Ludwig Eberg to be in the 2023 Ryder Cup team as recently as five months ago when he was still an amateur. I mean, I said, I just can't see it. You know, no, but it's unprecedented. No one turns pro and is on a Ryder Cup team before even playing a major championship. He's done it. So look, I have to take my hats off because I, I didn't believe in it, and and you've been saying it all along. I think it's an extraordinary call. I think everybody, joking aside, I think it's one of the most extraordinary calls ever to have spotted this potential and have put your balls in the line and said, look, he's going to be on that Ryder Cup team. It's extraordinary. There's, there's never been anything like this at all in Ryder Cup history. To have turned pro in June and be playing your first Ryder Cup in September, it's absolutely incredible, and this man... Todd Schuster Jamie, has called it from day I one. Be, I want to be clear. Uh, You're going to make me cry. Thank the May check-in TC said it was 50-50 that he'd make the team. So he was kind of half, literally half in, half out on that one. So I just No, but to- I mean, I, I was dismissive of it. I was like, come on, Tron. He's not going to be in the Ryder Cup team. Don't be ridiculous. And, I put and, him on my and team, I'm, I'm a convert. Sully. I'm a complete convert. Sully, all I'm looking for is a little little, little consideration, Sully. Just a little... See, this, little this whole thing little... could have started that way. It would have been, dude, what an incredible call by you. You had to make it about me being wrong about this, both in Slack and on Twitter for 24 hours. You did this. Like, You know what this reminded me of? I'm watching Suits right now. When Lewis Litt nails a great case, but totally blows the celebration and gets mad at everyone in the process. Like, You did something good, and you blew it. And you need to decide... Is this a great call by you or is this something that was so obvious and missed by everyone else? Why can't you just gloat in your own great call? No, it's a great call. First of all, you got lit up, Sally. You got, secondly, you got secondly, I'm just I'm I'm guarding against the pretzel here. You are the you are the pretzel. You are going to try to make this somehow, hey, you know, I saw this coming. I also called this. I'm trying to guard against that as well because you're always you just you you blow with the you you go with the winds of statistical analysis whatever the stats say you know two or three months ago the stats started to say that Ludwig oh my god maybe he is a a generational talent maybe he is one of the best players in the world we actually have some sample size we can move beyond the eye test and go into the data here and the data is is actually backing up what TC is saying maybe I should get on this on this block as well so that's what that's what I'm kind of guarding against here is I'm, you know, I'm defending the eye test. Don't bring block into it. 
uh, I, I feel bad for you spending this much time. Go ahead, Kyle. Okay, so this this feels a little bit like good afternoon. By the way, this feels a little bit <laughs> like when somebody is in on a band that starts to blow up, yes. and they went to like the second, like the the you know there was a hundred people in this like base bar basement, and that person was there. And then their friend is, they tell their friend about it and they go to like the third, con the fourth concert. And they've both kind of been in on it from the beginning and they start to blow up. They become this thing. But the first friend is like, yeah, but you weren't at the first one. You weren't, at, you weren't at the, you weren't at the bar basement. You were at the one where there was like 500 people, but you weren't at the one with a hundred people. That's what this feels like. I would say Solly was there at the You're arena essentially tour. Essentially saying Tron, Tron discovered the Beatles. Basically. Yeah. Listen, I was like, I wouldn't be doing this if Solly would have given me any sort of consideration on Twitter or on previous <laughs> podcasts or anything like that. There's been no even acknowledgement. Do you want me to replay oh, us like, hey, no, no, I don't. I really don't. It's incredible. <laughs> We're 26 minutes in and that's all we've done. We agree that you have missed everything I've ever said because you have this enormous chip on your shoulder and have refused to recognize how hard I've actually written for Ludwig. Was I beat you? No, no one beat you. You were first to Adrian Dumont de Chassart. He didn't make the team. Like we can do all of the ones. We well, probably should have. We could do all the records of the guys you've written for that aren't on the team. This is like a little bit like the, the guy that did the World Cup tweeting in 2014 where he tweeted all the possible results and then only highlighted the ones that actually hit and everyone thought it was scripted. Like, we could do all the, all, the whole record. We could do, uh, uh, two weeks ago, two people in this podcast bet their house that Adrian Maroc was going to be on the team. We could do that one if you want to. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't bet my house that he was going to be on the team. Oh. Play it. Play it. No, don't play it. Don't. I would put my house on Adrian Maronk making the team as well. <laughs> Um, why are you laughing? As soon as as sentence that nobody's ever ever before. <laughs> well, you know, I'll put my house up too, Jamie. I'm hearing the same thing. He's got a Maronk nice house. He, he, yeah, yeah. Look, <clears throat> I got it wrong. Look, I'm I'm mad enough to admit it. Um, fortunately for my children, my wife owns our house. I've got nothing to do with it at all. So, I think we've still got a roof over our heads. Uh, look, are we moving on to Adrian Maronk then now, or are we still? I, if, in the if middle you of need to dismiss the case, I'm fine to move on. All right, listen. I think we've Sally, done we, big, can, we, we can come to we can come to some sort of settlement here, out of court settlement. You see, can I can I hit you with this? Listen, if Ludwig is a enormously key cog in flipping the Ryder Cup, like that's where this goes back to, right? You were mad that I was dismissive of the Europeans' chances two years ago, while you just heard of this Ludwig guy and you threw this out. Literally, you said in a pod, like, hey, I'm just, you know, six to 12 months ago when I was just blowing smoke up everyone's ass. This has materialized incredibly, incredibly. And he has made the team. Listen, again, as somebody that's rooting for Ludwig, let's not fly the flag yet. If he's this good, like fly the flag when he goes three and one and the, and Europe goes on to victory. At that point, it's like, yes, I will raise my hand. You can play this exact section back like the Europeans gained depth over gained some superstars over a two year span that I didn't see coming when we were sitting in the RV two years ago. I don't know if that's clear enough for you, but listen, like if, if that doesn't happen, we're going to be right back here to be like, Hey, you can't just celebrate him making the team. Like the, the point is to, to have an influence on this exact Ryder cup when it's pretty damn crucial. Like the, the paths of the next several years. I don't, see, I him believe going, I don't see him going three and one in room, by the way. That I mean, I can't see him being beaten, and I think he'll play all five sessions. So I can't see him going three and one. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I'd, put oh, my I, I, I'd put my house on it. 
Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you need to call one of those numbers that Solly listed earlier. <laughs> Jamie's going to bet my house on it. So uh, let's get to the picks a little bit. <laughs> Thank you, TC. That's very big of you. Uh, Jamie, you wanted to bet your house on Adrian Moronk last week, uh, two weeks ago. That did not materialize. What What happened? What changed? Uh, look, I got a call uh, wrong, and I, and I thought he would be on the team. I think ultimately it came down to a call between Adrian Moronk and Nikolai Hoygaard. And I think in terms of their golfing ability at this moment, there's like a cigarette paper between them. But I think you can certainly make the argument that Nikolai is more explosive, has a higher ceiling, has greater potential. And, you know, I asked Luke Donald about this yesterday. I said, do you have to sort of factor in future planning as well? And, you know, obviously you're picking the 12 players that you think give you the best chance of winning the Ryder Cup in three weeks' time. But but he basically said, yeah, you know, you obviously you're thinking about the future as well. And do I feel a lot better about a 24-year-old Nikolai Hoygaard with an extra two years PGA Tour experience under his belt, having already experienced a Ryder Cup when he t- steps into the cauldron of, you know, some screaming New Yorkers in Bethpage in two years' time? Yeah, I absolutely do. And, you know, Nikolai and Rasmus and Ludwig and Adrian Dumont de Chassard, they're going to be the backbone of European sides going forward for the next decade. So I can certainly understand the logic in picking Nikolai right now. As for Adrian Moronk, is he unlucky to miss out? Yes, he's desperately unlucky to miss out. Of course he is. You know, we've spoken about the fact that he's won around Marco Simone. He's been a runner-up around there as well. His game suits that course. He hits it long. He hits it straight. You know, he's got so many things going in his favor. He's won three big tournaments in the last 15 months. The Irish Open he's defending this week. The Australian Open, you know, up against Adam Scott in his own backyard and he holds him off down the stretch. He, uh, the Italian Open, obviously, as well. But I've heard this word deserved a lot over the last 24 hours. He deserved to be in the team. Let's get one thing clear. You only deserve to be in the team if you're one of the six who qualify. If you don't qualify, then you can't really have any quibbles. It's in the lap of the gods. And ultimately for Adrian Moronk, had he actually committed to the DP World Tour throughout the year, as Bob McIntyre did, he probably would have had Bob's spot. He was offered a few invites on the PGA Tour at, at, at Rave, at the Arnold Palmer, Honda, I think. He came and played all of those. Had he stayed and played in Europe in that stretch, he probably would have had the points to get the final automatic spot. So, look, he will have been devastated last night. I've got no doubt about it. But you're only really deserving of a spot if you qualify. And I think, you know, it was ultimately a call between those two. I, I you know, as recently as last week, obviously I thought Adrian Moronk was a shoe in, but am I excited about seeing Nikolai Hoygaard out there? Who's also won around that course? Yes, I am. TC, what's your reaction? Yeah, pretty similar. I think, uh, would I rather have Moronk than big shot Bob? I'm not sure. You know, I think there's, there's Jamie, that's a great point. I saw Ben Colley tweeting that as well of, of, hey, if Moronk doesn't take the the Honda, Genesis, Bay Hill, uh, you know, invites, didn't play well in a couple of the invites, finished T14 at Honda, missed the cut at Bay Hill, T17 at the match play. Um, and then like, but, you know, misses the cut at US Open, misses the cut at Canadian Open, misses the cut at the Masters, wins the Italian Open kind of in the midst there. It's 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 a mixed bag with with Moronk. I feel like he's 30, 31. I'd rather have Nikolai on the team, especially knowing that Rasmus is coming down the pipeline as well. Uh especially, you know, Nikolai is kind of the the higher upside, more volatile of the two as well. I also think it's underrated that Rasmus can come along and you could probably 
switch them interchangeably, <laughs> right? And I think they're like very, very identical. And so we've, keep, we've, we've spoken about how hilly push. that golf course is. It's difficult to go five yeah. sessions. If you just trot Nikolai out in the morning foursomes, Rasmus out in the afternoon four balls, who's ever going to know? Exactly. Go, exactly. Go right ahead. I mean, Rasmus, it, Rasmus has fallen off big time, right? I mean, if yeah, you yeah. Talk, he has a bit, yeah. You want to talk about form difference. And that's where like, I feel like Nikolai has been, I, I, I'm in complete agreement because to the point of you kind of, I, I forget where we, where we talked about this of like, when you kind of have a little bit of a back of the baseball card, you know, you kind of know what Adrian Moronk is. I would put him in the category of Torbjorn Olsen, of Victor Perez, like these guys that are kind of like, ah, we, we kind of know what your ceiling probably is. We don't know what Nikolai Hoygaard's is. And you like his ascension over the last year of like, basically he went from a very, very well below average professional. And I know he's extremely young, but like he was not performing, he's performing way below average to like being well above average now. And like ascending to like, two strokes year over year is massive. And you don't know when that's going to stop. So like, this is a totally fair and fine bet. Exactly what I said a year ago, of like, what Europe should be looking to do is find the young, punchy, upstart guys that have big upside. That like, again, I know it doesn't feel this way, but Europe is the underdog. And like you, I as a somebody rooting for the Americans, I would have been happier if they took Moronk than I would if they took a high upside guy like Nikolai Huygard. I think what you're saying, Sully, and I completely agree with is, and I mean this with the, with the greatest possible respect for Adrian Moronk, who's a really nice guy, but I could see him being a kind of one and done Ryder Cup guy, playing one Ryder Cup. And then that's kind of it. Nikolai, I could see playing six or seven Ryder Cups if his career arc progresses. You know, he's he won his first tournament at the age of 20. You know, he's, he's already kind of an established figure on the DP World Tour and now as a PGA Tour card as well. And he's 22 years old. So, yeah, I, as a sort of pick for the future, and as I said, Luke Donald kind of said this to me in as many words yesterday, I think that's kind of what you're bearing in mind you know he's going to have to go into a bear pit in two years time in upstate new york and he's going to have some Ryder cup experience under his belt one thing that people have been just kind of getting wrong over the last not to go back into the jt stuff but there are different reasons to pick players right you're not picking the seventh guy for the same reason as you're picking the 12th guy and i think we've been ascribing the same reasoning or or whatever to to everybody like uniformly and that's just wrong like you pick justin rose for a different reason than you pick ludwig or 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 nikolai Hoygar. you know like there there are just different reasons to do those things so i think when people look at this uniformly and say well adrian Moronk was one more or his numbers were better or whatever like that's that is a reason to pick a player but it's not necessarily the reason you should pick the 11th and 12th guys a quick break here to check in with our friends at whoop the official fitness wearable of the pga tour if you somehow don't know by now whoop is a sleek screenless wearable that tracks your sleep your strain your recovery stress and a lot more to provide personalized insights that help you reach your goals you might be you know, obsessed with squeezing out a few more uh, reps in the gym you might be trying to shoot your lowest score this summer Get those extra hours of sleep a week. Man, I wish it worked that easily when you have a newborn. I was warned, you know, not to look too close to the day to your first month of having a newborn. And I'm, I, I should have heeded that advice better than I did. TC was very big on that of, hey, you might want to let your whoop die just for a couple of weeks because you're going to get some, some bad red data. It feels great to get a good night of sleep, to wake up, to see the green, to know your body is ready to perform. And hey, to see the red sometimes is kind of good to know. Just say, hey, 
I, I, there's a reason why I'm hitting this three o'clock wall. Maybe tomorrow I'll make a little bit better decisions, right? And it, it tends to kind of ebb and flow a little bit like that. And right now, you can try Whoop for one month free and get ready to unlock the best version of yourself. You can go to whoop.com, W-H-O-O-P.com to get started. Use code NLU to save 10% off your order. Let's get back to the pod. We're just working off such a rudimentary data set, right? Of the reason why I read strokes gain back enough is like, that's what we have to look at how somebody's played. I don't have all of the shot data of like, here's where Ludwig's going to drive it. And here, who is the iron player from this distance that they're going to pair him with for this session. That's why we do the eye test. No, I think that's why they do the data. Look into this, right? Of like saying like, hey, here's how, here's how and why, here's the role you're going to play, right? I mean, I we just did a deep dive into the last four European Ryder Cups. And man, going through like how Tom Watson came up with his pairings versus like how the US team does it now. And I'm speaking to the US team because I don't, I don't know how Europe does specifically, but I thought it was very telling that Padraig Harrington ended the 2021 Ryder Cup saying they've basically copied our model. Like all of our advantage is gone in this because they're doing the exact same thing we are, which is like to say, hey, here's some scenario planning. Here is who Sam Burns could be playing with and likely will be playing with. Here's our, what our plan is, and here's a different scenario. And when we go into that scenario, here's the downstream effect of this. Here's who is going to have to sit if we're going to play Sam Burns two sessions when we were originally playing one. When Tom Watson benched Jordan Spieth and Patrick Reed, he couldn't name who he subbed in for that team in the press conference. Like he didn't remember who he put in because he uh, also ran Phil and Keegan back out. And the, it was a total gut feel thing. And that has changed completely. So it's all to say, like, I think that there is it, it, to exactly your point of whoever is filling this final role. They probably I would. I would bet my house on it that they have a decent plan for how they're going to use that person. It's not going to be, I, I doubt it's, Hey, Nikolai, you're either playing one or four matches. Like I bet it's, it's probably, I don't know what the plan would be. I'll throw out the scenario. It's probably like, Hey, you're only playing four ball and you're going to play with this person because you cover birds on par fives. He covers birdies on par threes. That's like how it works. Plus, you know, the, the data tells us we can accurately measure how all these guys have performed relative to the fields they've played in over 72 whole stroke play tournaments over the course of the last however many months. The intangibles are how they're going to cope in a Ryder Cup environment, how they pair up with people, what they're like in a team room, what they're like. You know, I've heard a lot of people over the last 24 hours saying, I cannot believe Shane Laurie's going to pick. Well, Shane Laurie plays with, alongside, against these guys week in, week out. He's not going to be Faye standing on the first tee alongside Scotty Scheffler, Brooks Koepka, Jordan Spieth. Whereas Adrian Moronk, that's kind of new company for him. He's not used to playing against those guys. And you've also got to put yourself in the mindset of the opposition. Like, who would the U.S. least like to face, or, you know, if it's going down the stretch on a Sunday? Adrian Moronk or Shane Lowry or, you know, whoever, insert name here. You know, so there are so many intangibles that you need to factor in as well. The data tells you one thing, but it doesn't tell you the entire picture. And I think the, I think part of the, the beauty of the Ryder Cup is that it is not, it's not, you can't manipulate it in a com completely in a money ball way, right? You, you look at, um, you look at the NBA and the end result of their money ball era has been, well, just shoot layups and three pointers. And you're like, that's not that that's kind of boring. Like that kind of sucks. Right. And I think the, the, one of the reasons we're so compelled by the Ryder cup is you can't just strokes gained it. You can't just data. And this is I've come around on this. I, I think I used to be more in that camp that you could, and after watching all of these, listening to the Euros, reading Shane Ryan's books about the Ryder Cup, you're like, that's not how it, I mean, it, it works like that in that week in that you need to pair, have the right pairings and all that stuff, but that's not how the actual Ryder Cup works. Like you have to put together 
a team of individuals that 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 really is a team and that that truly like cares about the event and each other and all that. And I think those two things combined, the the datafication and like the the team and tangible type stuff is is one of the reasons that the Ryder Cup is so cool. And that's where it, a frustrating part of the last several months has been like, well, you only want to use the data when it like supports your decision. It's kind of like, well, I mean, like who who in their right mind would think that it's only about the data, right? If you've heard this podcast and thought that that has been my take, like I, I would respectfully disagree with that. Like it's a component, it's a component of the decision, right? If you are going to bypass a dude that's data is incredible, you better have a pretty damn good reason. And if you're going to take a guy who's data looks horrible, you better have a pretty damn good reason. And I would venture to say the U.S. team has a pretty damn good reason to take somebody like JT, whose form has dipped incredibly. It's because his like median level golf is different than Tony Finau's, right? Tony Finau did not survive a dip in his play. JT could survive a dip in his play. TC, if you want to go back to uh, a year ago, I named five guys that if they're like if they played like shit in 2023, are probably still going to get penciled in the Ryder Cup team. It was Scheffler, Cantlay, Xander, JT, and Spieth. I said that's probably the reality of it. Like those guys can survive a really bad year. I didn't think JT's year was going to be this bad, but they're going to have a role for him. It's going to be. Is it going to be playing with Spieth? I would guess so, but they may have a total trick up, not a trick up their sleeve. They may have a totally different plan for saying like, hey, JT, you drive it this far. We want to hide your putting and so-and-so putts really well on green speeds that the Europeans are going to have. Like that's the granular level of how they're going to come up with this stuff. So I guess, I don't know, I'm going to flip this into an American, like just seeing the reaction to the Amer how the Americans have done things has been shocking to me in terms of how little faith American quote golf fans have in the process at all, which I guess if you look only at the past few Ryder Cups, I understand that, but like not seeing that there's been a change in how this is done. Will it work is the big question. I'm not flying a victory flag early. I'm super curious, but like they kind of deserve a fresh start. Kyle, do you, do you think that you've come around on that though? Like, do you think you've, yeah, oh yeah. How, like when, when for you specifically was the shift of, of all of like that way of thinking, uh, September, 2020, Paul McGinley interview episode. That was when it was like he he laid out like a six minute clip of how he handled Victor Dubuisson and Graham McDowell. And he was flying to Malaysia to spend time with to Malaysia to spend time with Victor Dubuisson, flying to Monaco and having a meeting with Victor Dubuisson, talking about his plan, going to Graham McDowell, being like, hey, you're a top dog, but you're only going to play foursomes with Victor Dubuisson. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to win those two matches. You guys pair great because the par fives, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sending you out first. U.S. is going to send a dog tired. And they, look, again, some of this might be revisionist history, but they're going to send a, a dog tired guy out first. Jordan Spieth got three up on him. GMAC roared back and won the match and they, he went three. And out. It was just like execution of, of something like that is just, again, so polar opposite to how the U.S. did it in 2014 that it it is how you um, I guess I've always I've not been one to subscribe to like raw, raw, great chemistry, great friendships in the team room translates to good golf. But that kind of insight into how you can use personal relationships to elevate how somebody actually plays on the golf course was a, a clicking moment for me. I just don't think it's as simple as a lot of people want to make it. Jamie? I've got a feeling, though, Solly, and you know, you referred to the fact that Podrick said a couple of years ago, oh, the USA seems to have sussed what we've done. They're just copying what we do. Now, I think Steve Stricker was an excellent captain and got so many calls right. I also think that anybody could have won that Ryder Cup because of the relative strengths of the side and the form in which they arrived at Whistling Straits. However, and this is kind of just a hunch, and it's probably a hunch I'm basing purely off that absolute shambolic press conference a week or so ago, but I just got an idea that Zach Johnson's maybe moving away from that a bit more and just kind of doing things on gut instinct rather than 
reading into the data. Like for me, I, I, I cannot get my head around, look, and they've got far more detailed numbers than I do. I just can't get my head around how Cam Young isn't on that team with how his game sets up for that golf course. That smacks of Scotty Sheffler saying, I want my buddy Sam Burns in the team and Scotty Sheffler getting his way. I mean, Keegan Bradley, the way he drives a golf ball, look, I get it. They've got incredible strength and depth, and either way, you're going to leave off a couple of absolute studs. I just, from in particular, Zach Johnson's answer to the question he was asked about analytics, when he kind of went, "Oh well, um, it's it's just uh, it's sort of numbers and stuff," and uh, you wouldn't really understand. I kind of just get the impression that he's not really going down that route this time, and he's just kind of flying by the seat of his pants. Maybe that's being incredibly unfair. I could I'll TC real quick just to that. I can definitively say that's not the case, right? Like I, I it is the U S is almost like they're being almost like too coy, right. Or like too. his press conference was horrific because they are super afraid of passing out any kind of information, right? Like I've been, I've, I've had some conversations with people involved in the process and they won't share information with me. Like they'll give you an idea as to like how things work and how things like the scenario planning and, you know, looking into biases and looking into, you know, all kinds of things that are like, it's not like the scout, the scouting team just says, here's the data, do something with it. They are involved in how they're constructing the team and how the game plan against what Europe's going to do and what Europe typically does and blah, blah, like this whole scenario planning situation again is, I don't know if it's going to work. I think I just have a lot more faith in how it works than this whole boys club thing has really gotten to me because it's all, no, I don't, I, I don't think there's a boys club. Like it's mostly from the U S side of like people that haven't spoken to anyone involved in how the process works at all. Just saying like, ah, oh, they're just picking their friends. It's like, man, like go like have some background conversations with some of these people and come back. And like, if you still feel that way, I would be very, very, very surprised, but at least like seek the information and in how it's done. And it, it, it's, it's a little, it's way more complicated. I can guarantee you that than just Scotty Scheffler is picked to be uh Sam Bur or, you know, Sam Burns is picked just to be Scotty Scheffler's binky TC. I think there's two, two different things going on here. I think Sally, I totally agree and understand what you're saying as far as Zach's, there's a lot more going on than what he's letting on. He's also not helping himself by saying like, yeah, my boy Ricky or like he's like Zach is nails on a chalkboard. I mean, it, it is, it's so bad, man. And it's only going to get worse. Stricker lost right? every press conference six and four. And I had the same panic going into whistling straights. I was Padraig just talked circles around him. And I, I don't, and now I'm not going to put any weight on it. I'm going to give ZJ his fair crack. Totally. Even if he's blocked me on Twitter for never tweeting at him, uh, I'm going to give him his fair crack uh, at, at captain it. But also, I think that the European team might be on to version 2.0 or 3.0 of, hey, this is how we were doing it two to four years ago. We need to evolve even more. We need to move down and and really, you know, they're on a probably a six to eight year cycle now versus just, hey, what do we want to do this time? That's 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 where Nikolai comes in and all that. Uh, Luke Donald, like you look at his career, I mean, him getting the number one in the world, I think is one of the most underrated accomplishments in golf over the last 20 years also i just want to i, I want to take one more moment to shit on the the pga of america's like captain's pick release press conference it was awful it was horrific that zoom call was like one of the one of the worst produced things i've ever seen since the last time they did on the it. on the flip side the European team, it was it was majestic. I know we have a Sky Sports presenter produced by uh, Sky Sports. Ma majestic, <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was it was fantastic. Uh, just so well put together, so well produced. Uh, you know, I think there's there's something there. There's something there's there's a sense of class, a sense of organization, a sense of 
personality there that you can't you can't you can't buy class state exactly all right yeah it's a point for europe they won the the, the introductory press conference uh the television rollout here yeah that's i also feel like we've got some some serious momentum going in the fact that yannick paul that we survived that that yannick paul so, scare i wanted to point that out if you again I, I know you just listened to this tc we talked in the rv in 2021 about how europe needed to revamp their process for qualification they had four european picks in in you know four guys that came off the europe list in 2021 and five that came off the world list and only three captains picks if that would have been the case, again, if they'd have rolled the same thing back, Yannick Paul would have qualified in the four spot and Big Shot Bob would have qualified in the three spot. Instead, you had the captain pick flexibility to add guys that, um, look, is it a great thing for the European tour? Maybe not, like less emphasis on playing golf in the European tour as we saw from Adrian Moronk, but you got a better or, record. Or, 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 yeah, or, or more, you could argue, because if Adrian Moronk had actually played in the European tour, he'd probably have got into the team. Yeah. So, so you know, it's it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? But um but yeah, I think the qualify. I think I think the six and six is a really good way to do it going forward. I mean, you could even argue that there should be an extra place in the world points list, maybe five picks or whatever. But um, but yeah, you know, with the greatest respect to Yannick Paul, we slightly dodged a bullet there because I think he would have been. He's never been in that elevated company before. I got a question for the for Team Euro. How come there was not more talk around uh, Alexander Bjork? Like he he was somebody that if you look at the the numbers, the finishes, like he he was playing very good golf on the European Tour. But I didn't I didn't hear his name once over the last six months. That's yeah, a good question. I, 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 I would say for the late, same reasons I, I'm I kind of alluded to with Moronk, which is just Alexander Bjork is a tremendously successful European Tour player. And he's fantastic at that level. I kind of think that's his ceiling. I'm not sure how he would cope in a Ryder Cup environment. I'm not sure how he would cope having, you know, sharing a team room with Rory McIlroy, John Ram, Victor Hovland, and being stand, standing opposite the first tee, opposite Scotty Scheffler, Patrick Cantlay, Brooks Kepke. You know, he, he's not used to playing at that level. And yeah, he's had a really consistent season. He hasn't missed a cut in 12 months. You know, he doesn't miss a fairway. The guy is just metronomic, but. I just think, you know, do I feel better about having, you know, rolling the dice and having somebody explosive and unpredictable like Nikolai Hoygaard in my team over somebody where I kind of know what I'm going to get from Alexander Bjork? Yeah, I probably do. Yeah, I think it's something too. There's, there's probably some course stuff. I was going to say, right? They, like, went, they went for Alexander Bjork is like 15 yards below average of professional golf and driving. Yeah, and is 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 very accurate. And they went with Nikolai Hoygaard, who is way longer than than average and horrific accuracy. So that probably speaks to something they know about the golf course that we don't sitting here. And can I just yeah, say also on that point, too. actually, is it's interesting because, you know, so many people's decisions were being informed over the weekend of how guys were getting on or on Cron-Sercier, which could not be more different as a golf course to Marco Simone. And they said, well, well what about Alexander Bjork? He's doing really well in Switzerland. I was like, yeah, you know, Cron-Montana is pretty different to what he's going to face in Rome. And that makes Ludwig's achievement in winning Thank right you. there even more incredible. Yes. I think he was on the team regardless of what he did in Switzerland. But to go in there, to basically, Luke Donald called him out and said, look, come over and play in the Czech Republic and in Switzerland. You're pretty much in my thoughts already, but if you just come over and show a bit of commitment and I just need that fun, final little bit of proof so that to rubber stamp the decision. And then he goes in last week at a course that doesn't necessarily suit his game. He rattles off four birdies in his last five holes to win his first of what is going to be many, many events. I mean, it is absolutely incredible stuff. And this guy is just going to be a superstar. I'm glad I pulled, I'm glad I pulled PC off the 50-50 of whether or not he's going to make the team. 
I'm, I'm, <laughs> hell yeah. Here we go. No, it's it's very much, you know, Ludwig does this after a barnstorming summer of, you know, plays <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> what? I mean, he played, all right, he played, he turns pro, he plays Canada, oh Travelers, Rocket, uh, John Deere, Scottish Show, plays five weeks in a row, takes how, a week off. How many top plays, tens did he have? Uh, he had a T4 at John Deere. He he made every cut in those. He missed, he missed Scottish cut. And then, you know, the Saturdays weren't good. Comes over. Jamie, you glossed over his T4, the Czech Republic. Yep. As well. He's, you know, back-to-back Masters appearances. T4 at the Czech Masters. <laughs> wins the European Masters on a course that doesn't necessarily suit him. Puts to bed the, you know, didn't even play well on Saturday on he was one over on the par fives on Saturday on a course that doesn't necessarily suit him. But do you know what? I think that is the sign of a generational talent. Like you say the, the phrase course that doesn't necessarily suit him. I think he's one of those guys that will perform around any course. Like I know this is incredibly early in his career to be saying this, but you mentioned that he played in Detroit. That was where Luke Donald played with him. And Luke came away from that week saying, it's like watching Rory when you first burst onto the scene. This guy's ceiling is so high and rory's that kind of player as well we you know there's not a course that doesn't suit rory rory's won around so many different types of golf course and i kind of feel as if you know we talk about ludwig eber well he drives at a country mile gum barrel straight well you don't need to do that around Crow montana and he's still won around there i mean you can't help but be incredibly excited about this guy's future I think Luke Donald might be more enamored of of Ludwig than Tron is. The way he was speaking about I'm him, the not sure the, that's possible, but yeah, the the FaceTime, uh, the the behind the scenes FaceTime call that he did with him, he was he's all in. Using the word generational talent was suspect. I'm like, is all right? Is TC controlling this? Like, is he? Does he providing the script for this? I, I was okay. I I had a take on this. Uh, I think that we are underrating Tron's call. It was an like to to make the call of, and I know he made. A, I've got a list of calls that he made. Uh, both that's, I make a lot of calls, but I don't make them over and over and over again. For sure, and that's and I'm giving you credit for that. To to make a call on somebody who was a sophomore at Texas Tech at, during Whistling Straits to be on the Ryder Cup team two years later is. You said it earlier, Jamie, but it's pretty insane. Like it's crazy, especially when when in May of 2023 he's still an amateur. It's the most, it's the most incredible call I've ever experienced. It's, he, he I, was, it's amazing. He was playing in the Thunderbird Collegiate. I'm flushing six guys. months and ago, but and he's playing. He's playing match play. Can too. we go back to really yeah. quick? Where it's like I will give him 100 percent credit for sticking with it for that long. The origination was how bad Europe was getting their brains beat in, and somebody told him about Ludwig the week of the Ryder Cup. He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that was it. That was but there's guys. Started. There's guys coming right now. Albert Hansen, he's going to be on the next Ryder go. Cup there team. There we go. Sally, it's going to be so bad. The setup at Bethpage is going to be an atrocity. You're 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 going for it with um, you're going with David Puig as well in two years' time, aren't you? I am. I am. I mean, I listen, I would argue that I think, you know, obviously live with Peters and pulling some of these guys away from the European team. I would say that live has hurt the European team just as much by Bryson not being on the U S team by Patrick Reed, not being on the U S team by some of these guys that could have automatically qualified. They took all the dickheads. They took all the dickheads. Exactly. 
Yeah, it's like your camaraderie is going to be so much better now because these guys didn't have a chance of being on the team. You know, I'm just now realizing Tron's tweet about how Ludwig was the Masters champ. I thought you were. I thought that was a prediction, but it was a declaration. <laughs> it was. It was the oh, Omega yes. Mastership. He's got, he's, he's got yeah, a red jacket. It might, been, it, it might have been a prediction as well. The red uh, jacket, baby. But I do think so. As much as we're underrating, I don't know if we're underrating. It's being rated very highly. Tron's call. I wonder if we're overrating like who Ludwig is a is as a player right now. I don't think he's played all that well. Like. Versus his ceiling, I don't think his his approach play and his putting has been up to snuff as of yet. Like he's played with his B game. I agree, but that's what I'm saying is like right now. Like I I think he's, his you know. I think his ceiling is very high. Just what like what is his actual imprint going to be on the 2023 Ryder Cup? That's kind of been my point. It's like it's it's well like we will see what's about to happen. Like I I I would expect him to play well because I would say like I've been saying for quite some time they should put him on the team. I expect that, but. It's still a question mark right here. This is the, you can have the victory lap the Monday after if or Sunday night if that is the case if he goes and dominates this thing. You know, I, I know we joke about the eye test, but the thing that I see already with Ludwig Aberg is he just has that kind of indefinable X factor. There is just something about the way that he carries himself. The fact that so early in his pro career, every single step up that he's taken, he's been completely unfazed. I don't know if you're watching. I don't know what, what coverage you watched of the final round at Cron, or even if you did, but on Sky Sports, a good pal of mine, Josh Antman, was doing the kind of in-round interviews. He interviews Ludwig as he's walking off the ninth tee, and the cameraman stacked it. The cameraman fell backwards in the air, like, you know, they had to abort the interview. Now, most guys, most experienced guys, when you're right in the heat of trying to win a tournament, would be like, all right, lad, sorry, look, I've got to now get my game face on. I'm trying to focus on winning a tournament here. Ludwig was just like, oh, first of all, the cameraman, are you okay? Picked him off off the ground. He's like, let's just do it off the 10th tee instead and just did it 15 minutes later. And he's just like, he's so cool and laid back. Like, there's he's, he's completely unflappable. He takes everything in his stride. And I think that is almost more impressive to me than the actual golf. But look, tee to green, he's He's right up there with, I think, the very best players in the world at the moment. The short game, the putting, needs masses of improvement. But around Rome, do I see him being an absolute stud in foursomes in particular? Yeah, I do. I'd say tee to fairway, it's there. Right? Yeah. The approach yeah. play has not been there so far. But that's the thing. I think the approach play, is that that's in there. That's tee fully realized. He just hasn't really showed it the last. And I think part of that is he played five weeks in a row Bad habits may creep in. You're pressing a little bit, all that stuff. He's got, he's got, th you know, he's got three weeks now to kind of tidy things up. But you can uh, also take like what I, 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 again, going back to like how this fits in, they can take him if they, again, I don't know what they're going to do. If they want to play him in foursomes and they can set the tees to play, you know, there's going to be a bunch of different drivable par fours up there. If they want to make them the odd holes and have him go off those. I mean, I, I have to do the math really quick on, I think both three of the par threes are odd holes. So maybe you have him go off the even holes, which would be the part, the drivable par four 16th. They can make the sixth hole drivable. I've heard they may do that. 18 is a reachable par five. That's an even hole. Um, you can do all kinds of things to, again, highlight his main skill, which is being incredibly long and wildly accurate for how long he hits it. I think what's so funny about the Ryder Cup sometimes is how much oxygen we give to the 11th, 11th, 12th guys. I mean, we're talking about Bill Winnington and Ron Harper in instead of instead of MJ and Scotty. And, you know, like it's it. And the reason for that is because those guys are just 
include like they're just sort of built in baked into the to the event like the the shefflers the rory the hovland all that but we like the only guys that we talk about are guys that are going to play a combined i don't know five matches well, six matches we're doing it now because it's we're reacting to the picks right I'm sure, sure. Term, we're talking about the big guys yeah. that said though i think ludvig like i would have no problem putting him out four times because it's like he's got young legs Sally, you're shitting on his his approach play a little bit here, but like his approach play, approach play forever. <laughs> yeah, versus what his ceiling is, but you know, like he and yes, he needs to clean up some of his par fives stuff as well. Like he's, I think he's got one of the worst uh, stats on tour of when he lays up for a par five. His scoring average is awful. When he goes for a par five, I think he's like best in the world. So it's kind of some of the course management stuff there. But going back to Kron, like he just played on a Kron course that kept the driver in the bag for more holes than a typical course does and he he you know just won i mean that's that's a credit to his approach play right there i think you pair him up with shit you could put him with tommy in a four ball or you put him with i mean you can put him with anybody on this team right that's the crazy part is he pairs with everybody gets along with everybody he's he's so malleable he's got young legs i think you put him out probably friday morning you know like like friday foursomes and then you put him out both rounds Saturday and then Sunday singles. And Ludwig I think that, and that, Victor. Yeah, the I would Scandi- love it. The Scandinavian so many birdies. assassins. It. I would be surprised. I was wrong about this at Whistling, but I would be surprised if anyone went out five sessions. Right with how yeah. Marco Simone is. It's 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 exhausting. It really is. We'll see. I, I don't know. I think I think the big European boys. I think Rory Ram Hovland. I, Rory, I might. As soon as I say that, um, but um. And as I've already established, Nikolai slash Rasmus will go out for five sessions. <laughs> uh, quick, so real quick, talking about Sep real quick, because I think Sep is an interesting case as well. We haven't talked Sep. We haven't talked Team Talk Rose. Anybody but Ludwig. Yeah, which is, you know, that's th- – and Sally, thank you for calling him Ludwig, not Ludwig, as he's been <laughs> – Two years ago you. when you were also calling him that, when we just first heard about him, yes. Hey, Sally, to your point, like from – you know, in the kind of the post game of the 2021 Ryder Cup, you said like if if Rory and Hovland and those guys play better and, you know, Rom, like it's a totally different game. And Porter, you just said it. Like, I think I'll take those top three versus anybody plus the way that Fleetwood's playing right now. Fitzpatrick seems to be in form, you know, keen to see what Hatton does. He's a bulldog, obviously. You've got Lowry. Team Rose concerns me a little bit, you know, I'll be honest there. And then I think the most fascinating guy on this entire Ryder Cup, both both sides, Bob McIntyre. I think it is the ultimate like heart versus data because the data is not good. Is his heart too big, Tron? Because are you worried about that? but also look at the Scottish Open, right? Look at that finish. Like he he answers the bell when it's time to answer the bell. Is his floor low as fuck? Absolutely. I, w- I would I would venture to say, uh, you know, needing a good tournament to to make sure you make the team on points would be, uh, you know, answering the bell. Like we just you, you're pulling an outlier yeah. out here of in July of yes, he had answered the bell there, but he didn't answer the bell in Switzerland, and he well almost missed. They made the cut. Uh, he had a ball bounce yeah. back in play. That was on his way out of bounds to make. The play. I, I think to slightly, slightly defend Bob there. I think there's no doubt he slightly got Ryder Cup fever, and as that finish line got closer, he definitely tightened up. And it's it's easier to be the chaser than the chased, the hunter than the hunted. How's, and I think because he had that third and final spot, 
he kind of felt a lot of pressure to hold on to it. And look, there's no doubt that the data tells its own story. He hasn't been playing great, but I think I said in the previous pod, the fact that he performed when I know the pressure would be at its most intense at the Italian Open last year in a field that contained Rory McIlroy, Matt Fitzpatrick, Victor Hovland, when he knows Luke Donald would have been watching. He went and won that tournament. His home Open, which he was, for him, the tournament he wants to win more than any other outside of the majors. And he goes and has that unbelievable final round, which had it not been for a miraculous finish from Rory, he would have won the Scottish Open. Like To perform when the pressure is on at that intensity tells me that, Bob will be like a doctor water to the Ryder Cup. Look, it could be that he plays once on the Friday and the Saturday and then plays in the singles. He's not in the same stratosphere as some of the guys in that European team. There's no question about it, but I don't think he's a liability either. Yeah. I, and I mean, T4 in, at the Czech Masters as well. Like that's a, that was points related as well. Like he yeah. needed to play well. I think there. Bob fits so squarely and like, dude, match plays different, man. Like I, I, yeah, yeah, I'd be super hesitant to just be like, yeah, he's, I mean, yeah, his outlier, his numbers are the the biggest outlier of anyone in terms of data golf rank and, and you know, all that, but like he makes a lot of mid range putts, which can be really nice in, in four balls. Yeah. It depends on which Europe part. didn't do at all at whistling straights. And you know what, speaking of Whistling Straits, just very quickly, I think I said this in the previous pod as well, that the seven guys who are on that team that are on this team, I think are all in a better place than they were two years ago. I hadn't even realized, look, the world rankings only tells one side of the story, obviously, but Jamie Kennedy tweeted last night, John Ram was the only golfer Europe had in the top 13 in the world rankings going into Whistling Straits. I'm assuming Rory, Rory. Rory must have been number 14 at the time or something. I hadn't realized it was that bad. So, um, you know, the, there's no doubt about it. The teams are much more evenly matched this time. Yeah, I think one thing that's one thing that's interesting about that, I was looking this up last night. The average age of the teams has shifted a lot as well. So 2021, Europe was, I think, 34 and a half average age. And the U.S. was right at like 29. So there was like a, a, over a five-year difference. And now Europe is actually the younger team. Europe is With average Ludwig. age of... With Ludwig. Yeah, it is crazy. We've uh, lost Europe, the old ass. You, Europe, is, yeah, the old ass. I thought about that phrase for too many days after our last <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but uh, uh, Europe is right at 30 and the U.S. is, is a little bit over 30. So I think that is... Uh, you mentioned this on Twitter yesterday, Sally, the, the generational sort of sea change. And, and it it had to happen, right? It had to, it had to, you, you had to have that, not just because of live, but because guys were, I mean, Westwood is what, like 50, Poulter's like 48. I mean, those guys are, they just didn't have any more Ryder Cups in them. So I think that shift is, I don't know what it means, but I think it's super interesting to kind of follow as we go into the next few years of Ryder Cups. And that's where 2021 was good in, for the Euros in a way of like cleansing, right? It, it's all, and again, those guys went to live and it, it eliminated the decision really anyways, but like cleansing of being like, all right, very clearly that's the end of the road for this set of people and we need to replace them, right? Which is like, we're 2018, the US kind of got caught in between with like Phil, it was one Ryder Cup too many. And I, Kat, I, I, again, I was supportive of both of those picks, but like, it's just really, really hard to unseat people with that kind of profile. But I'll also say, poor Adam, Chris, go ahead. So I was just going to say, I, I kind of think we give Liv too much oxygen in this whole debate because I think Liv's kind of irrelevant. Like, it's maybe relevant from a vice-captaincy-captaincy point of view going forward for Europe, but 
Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, Sergio Garcia, Paul Casey. It was the end of the road for them two years ago. And, you know, they've all been... What? Sergio, though? The the Sergio... Sergio's uh, kind of a bit of an outlier, but Sergio, you know, Solly, that John Ram kind of carried that pairing. But but it was Sergio is... Sergio is... If anything, it made it cleaner, right? It made the transition much cleaner. But the the debate over Sergio, Nikolai, and, and Ludwig in this captain like in this Ryder cup would have been fascinating right that would have been like kind of a an all-time like veteran versus newcomer debate and i i mean as just somebody who enjoys making content and yelling about this stuff it would have been fun to yell about but i don't i don't know that i think you're right jamie i don't know how much of like a actual bearing it would have had on on the playing of the Ryder cup I just feel as if everything has its natural shelf life and those guys who were incredible loyal servants to the European Ryder Cup team for two decades and the backbone of so many successful European teams, they'd reached the end of the road at Whistling Straits. That enough. That was obvious there long before the Saudis even came onto the scene. I think it's also, you know, Burned Wiesberger went 0-3 at Whistling Straits. Paul Casey went 0-4. Paul Casey teed it up four times at Whistling Straits and was an absolute disgrace. Will you apologize? So trading those guys out for young talent, for young guys, for for team room guys, I it's I'm like I'm I'm about ready to run through a wall right here. I'm so fucking amped up, guys. Like I've convinced myself that this thing's not even gonna be close. We got dogs. <laughs> wow. Are you will you apologize for Wiesberger in 2021? So, oh, certainly. Cer- I will certainly apologize. We've got a, we've got a better uh, Austrian this time around. Um, order, exactly. I'm it's also worth noting, like, Hovland was a rookie and didn't play all that well. Like, Hovland, I think Hovland and Scheffler are probably right up there is like, two of the best players in the world right now, and, and I would love to see them play singles. I think that would be a fascinating matchup. And I, we've said this at every stop of, like, I, as much as I want to crow about 19-9, to 9, like, it, the... COVID thing was just a nightmare for the Europeans and it just was a perfect storm of, of a horrible year of travel. And really, I think we, we, two years removed, we can be kind of forgetful about how tough that whole process was. And it was way harder on Europe than it was on the United States. I don't put a ton in like the fact that there weren't European fans there. Like, I don't think that really affects the play that much as it is just, dude, those dudes had it horrific traveling back and forth across the ocean over the course of that year. And it just affected all of them. I mean, not in just the Ryder Cup. I mean, you, you did one guy in the top 13 in the world. Are you kidding me? Like, that was just a, a really, really messed up year. But, Porter, I'm curious your reaction on this. Like, I am finding it. I, I, I felt like, all right, so much of my Ryder Cup angst and passion came from, like, dude, I needed Poulter's head on a pike. I needed it, like, to, I needed his Ryder Cup career to end with a loss. And it did with a 19 to 9 absolute beatdown. I kind of feel like checked off in that regard. And I don't have the same hate or the same like uh, angst around this event. I don't have the same like, dude, I really want to beat blank on Europe this go around. Cause I'm like, fuck man. I like, like, like 90, I think 90% of the team. I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm not like rooting against Rory. Like a Brahms. Now, which, which, which 10% of the team do you not like? I, that begs the question. Rose maybe like, is that- <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird, weird conundrum coming, rolling into this one where it's like, dude, I, I don't feel like there's anything, obviously they need to win in Europe. And I'm super curious for that part, but like personally, anyone on that team, even the captains, they're none of them are captains. Right. And like, that is, I don't know. I'm struggling with that. This go around. Do you feel any of that? Well, yeah, I think that's, 
that there's part of that that's always been true, right? I, I go back to Hazeltine in 2016 and the Euro press conference afterwards, and you're just sitting in there and you're like, God, these guys are so much more likable than like, you know, all the other teams. <laughs> and so I, I do think it's, it, it has shifted from, I, it's more fun to see them lose than for us to win. Like, I think that used to be like what it was, what you were kind of going for, or what, what was, um, you know, kind of the case. And I think now it's shifted back to, I, I honestly, I think the 30 years thing is, will be sort of the rallying cry more than like Poulter and Westwood and Stinson and Rose and, and all that stuff. So it's maybe not as like sports hatred fun, but it, it doesn't mean that there's not something to kind of ride for going into the event. And I do think it's, again, I've, I've tried to scream this from the rooftops. I, I, I do not know what's going to happen. My official prediction is that the U.S. is going to win. I've not wavered off that one. Even if, TC, you said that it was going to be a tie and the U.S. was going to – no, you, you you said it was going to be a tie and you've twisted back into now the Europe is going to, is going to blow them out. So uh, I've not wavered off that because I, 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 I'm anchoring myself. I'm like, dude – it is the first one of these that you're that the U.S. has come over with a team that looks like this, that doesn't have a Matt Kuchar, that doesn't have a Bubba, that doesn't have a Webb Simpson, doesn't have a Phil, doesn't have a Tiger. It the only guy going over that has a losing record in Ryder Cups is Ricky. He's three seven and five. That's not good. I'm concerned with Ricky going into this, of course, but like they're bringing a totally different team over. They're bringing a team over with a, a guys that have had success in Europe. Um, they, you know, JT and Spieth have had success when they've gone over to Europe. And I, I, it's the first time they've gone over with a, without a, a team that has a losing record as a group. And it's a decidedly strong winning record. Maybe overly influenced by 2021, but like it is a little bit of a fresh start. Jamie? I would just say further to that, you know, we make a lot of the 30 years since the US won on European soil thing. And, it was 12 years before that, the previous time they won in European soil. You know, I'm 40 years old and the US have only won in European soil once in my entire lifetime. And actually this US team is probably the closest to that 1981 Walton Heath team, which has spoken about, quote unquote, the greatest Ryder Cup team of all time, when I think 11 of the US team either were or would go on to be major champions. So, you know, those are the only two times the U.S. has won on European soil since it's been Europe against the U.S., since it was rebranded from GB&I. So it do, there's a reason it doesn't happen an awful lot. It is, for some reason, the U.S. have found it far harder to win in European soil than we have winning over there. This is their best chance because I think this team is the strongest they've had it in all of our entire lifetimes. Yeah, I, it, it might be the strongest. I definitely think it's the most focused, though, because I think if you go back to I, I go back to the press conference at Whistling Straits where somebody asked Spieth or somebody asked the 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 guys on the on, on the podium, hey, do you need to win in Europe? And somebody I think it was uh, Xander kind of deflected. And Spieth took it and was like, yo, we need, we need to win in Europe. Like that's like as fun as this was, as great as 19 to 9 was, we have to go and win in Europe. And Spieth was kind of the adult in the room, uh, maybe the only one who wasn't drunk in the room at that time. But like, I, I think this is a team that you go back to 2018 and, and before that, and they had the, you've talked about this, Jamie, they had the Tiger Phil black hole, right? And, and those guys, I think it was always a little awkward for them to completely buy in because at the beginning of their careers, they, that was not the status quo. And now it is like the, everybody on this team and they show it in different ways. Xander and Cantlay show it in a different way than JT and Spieth. But 
they're all incredibly focused on like, hey, we the Ryder Cup matters. Like it's a meaningful thing. And that just hasn't been fully the case in Europe uh, since I can like since I've been following and covering and, and doing all this. And I think that I don't know if they're the best team. Maybe they are, but I think they're the most focused one, which I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. That said, there's also some there's more question marks than there would have been otherwise where you got Wyndham Clark going over. He's kind of an unknown quantity. Um, you got Harmon who, you know, I, I think he's going to be a bulldog in uh, match play, but not a great course fit as far as from a driving perspective. I think the guy that like kind of a weird question mark is Brooks, right? Like Brooks has not been playing good golf. He's, he's played very, very poorly in the last two live events. He didn't play well at the open championship. Um, you know, he's got a, he's got a newborn at home. Like it, that there's a lot there, a lot, a lot of eyes on him. Uh, conversely, I think the guy that this course would probably suit to a T is Colin Morikawa, especially with, you know, short par fours and just accurate driving of a certain distance. I, I, I think he's, he's primed for a, a certain thing that I've, I've, I've heard about the course fit is that the, the fairways pinch at a certain distance that they, like your accuracy with your less than driver clubs is also a, a something that's going to get factored in. Right. So again, I certainly don't have that data of who's the best three wood players and things like that, but it goes to say, like, I agree with you on Morikawa. Like I, I could see him playing a, a lot of golf on the U S side, but it, 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 I, if the U S doesn't win this one in Europe, I'm done predicting that they'll win one in Europe. Like it, 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 it there's truly something in the, in the water, whatever you want to say, and like that, you're just not going to play good golf over there. Like it, you you go over and you've puckered so many times. I guess where I'm convincing myself is like the group that has puckered is not the one making the trip, right? It's Bryson was 0 3 in France. He's not going. Finau was 2 1. He's not going. But DJ was 1 4. He's not going. Mickelson 0 2. Reed 1 2. Webb was 2 1. He's obviously not going. Bubba 1 2. And Tiger 0 4. Like it was, those are the dudes that, that anchored you the last time you crossed over and correct me if I'm wrong. I just don't think the golf national and Marco Simone are going to have the same impact. I think the profiles of the teams aren't as stark as they were then like that Europe built a team for accuracy around that golf course. They've not followed the accuracy model necessarily for this one, because I don't think the same emphasis is going to be there. Does that seem right, Jamie? I think the puckering and the anchoring in the past came down to as much the golfers themselves and their attributes as to that we've kind of spoken about that that indefinable quantity that team spirit quote unquote which you know because in my entire lifetime with a couple of exceptions maybe the u.s has always been the stronger team on paper but europe have turned the tables on them so many times because we sussed that team chemistry that leave your egos at the door where you know we're a team and you know the bonds that are formed over the course that week and you know it all sounds very cliched and trite but it, but it's true the us were very much a team of 12 individuals they've sussed that now and i think we've spoken about that in the past you know that i came away from whistling straits a couple of years ago thinking oh shit these guys are not all pals again and that's not great for europe going forward um, so I think they've sussed that. I think that's the one big difference for the US on European soil this time as to any other time in European soil that I can remember, um, which I think gives them a huge advantage. Sally, there's, there, I think there's also something there where like, so Scotty, Xander, Cantlay, and Morikawa were all Ryder Cup rookies last time around. So we don't yeah. know if they've 
puckered. That's or what not. I'm saying. It's like it's don't a fresh start overseas. for so much of this. Yeah. Like I just don't. Again, every single, no matter what happens, you know, it, it something freaky happens over there. Like Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka fight each other. Patrick Reed throws a, a tantrum because he has to play with Tiger fucking Woods. Like it, it something horrible happens every time. Like we just got done rehashing it, and it's remarkable. But I guess my my plea is. Um, to, to the, the quote unquote American golf fans that are rooting for the team, which most of them seem to be rooting against them is like, I do have a little, uh, I have some faith in the process. I have some faith in how they've put this together. It is decidedly again, the boys club stuff is some of the, some of the worst discourse I think I can ever recall in golf. The, the, the lead up into the right, every Ryder cup is always a joke. Last time we were doing Kevin Nah and Kevin Kisner versus Scotty. Sheffield. Hell yeah. It's always a, it's a, always a joke, but this, this go around has been like stunning in terms of, I guess there's just so much scar tissue from losing so many Europeans in a row that like that people have not noticed how the, the change, the, how the process has changed. Right. And I can't speak to like, like these guys were involved, like the, the consultants were involved in France and that didn't go well, but I'm, I, I'm, I want to believe that there is lessons to be learned from that, that are going to hopefully pay off in this one. I'd love to hop in a DeLorean and go back and know what, Ryder Cup team selections were like before Twitter because it seems that everybody just not like everybody is entitled to opinion don't get me wrong but it's like Dave who watches the maybe the majors and occasionally watches a bit of golf on a Sunday afternoon if if it fits into a schedule suddenly has an opinion now and like a lot of it is just factually not true like you fine think this you're more than entitled to believe it but what you're saying just does not match up with actual reality. And I think pre-social media, the world is probably a lot happier place, just generally speaking, not even just talking about golf. Yeah, Porath had a great tweet. He said, the discourse around JT today feels like an old PFT commenter, but ZJ should should have just taken 11 fullbacks in Delhi. Maybe. Well, it's so. it's so inconsistent is the part that gets me yeah. is like, again, I put I put KVB through this quiz of like, hey, all right, Porter, who is the most well-respected captain of the U.S. in the last 30 years? The one that's tip of the tongue for everyone. Who is it? Paul Zinger. Zinger. How did he fill out his captain's picks? He let the, the players, players pick. Was that the origination of the boys club? Because that team went and ran amok against Faldo and, and his squad. And like, no one's mad about that. But all of a sudden, again, it's not even accurate to how the process works, but now it's a boys club if these guys end up taking their friends instead of, uh, you know, it's not the genius of Paul Azinger gracing the team. But I think some of it is people just don't like JT. Yes, that's that's so much of it. And I think the but the burn the fact that Bradley it, thing was weird also. Yeah, that's fair. I think the, I think the JT thing, though, is is like, listen, I understand why people think it looks a certain way. But what Tron just said of like. Yo, Scotty hadn't been in Europe. Morikawa hasn't been in Europe. Like all these guys need, and I've written about this a ton, but like they need somebody to look to when it's going badly on Saturday afternoon or Sunday, you know, afternoon or whatever. And JT's that guy. Like it doesn't mean he's going to go four and oh. I just, I think that, like I've gotten so, I, I've been trying not to do this, but I've been, I've gotten so many people sitting, oh, Lucas Glover's stats compared to JT's. I know, I like, I can read. No one is not aware of that. There's not one. I, I understand like what you're saying, but that's not the reason that JT was picked. Right. You know, like that there's, and, and this is what the U S has missed over and over and over and over again. Like they've, they've just willfully ignored it for 20 years. Of like, it's not just who plays 
like the best stroke play golf over 72 hole events. That's not it. It is having a team that gives a crap about the event that gives a crap about each other. And Europe, Europe has yelled that out loud for 20 straight years. And the U S you and U S fans are still like, well, I think, I think we, I, I don't think that works. And you're like, it, <laughs> we have all the evidence in the world that it works. And so finally they didn't do that. And it doesn't look like they didn't do that because it's JT and I get all that, but they actually went way off the board. And I think, I don't know if ZJ is going to be a good captain, but I think he deserves credit for that. If boys club is essentially a term for picking players who are comfortable in each other's company, then having a boys club is not a bad thing. That's what the Ryder Cup comes down to, team chemistry. And it's what we've sussed for the best part of 40 years and what the US are only just getting their heads around now. Yeah. Jamie, in, in years where Poulter had not stellar stroke play years, when he would get captain's picks, were Europeans upset about it? That was there was there debate about that? Like, can you give us a history look back on that? I can't think back to you know Ryder Cups of the mid noughties or whatever, but I know that five years ago when Thomas picked, I think it was Henrik Poulter, Sergio, like he got pelters for all those picks. Why are you not picking Matt Wallace? He's in hot form. He's just won in Denmark. Why are you not picking such and such, such and such? And like he said, look, we're picking them because. They've performed on this stage so many times before. They know what it's like to pull on that blue jumper and go out and you know deliver, and they, and they did again. So, it, what I find staggering as well is, you know, I, I'm, I'm done now replying to the tweets, but over the last 24 hours, the amount of tweets I've had to re- reply to saying I, it's ridiculous that Shane Laurie's got to pick ahead of Adrian Moronk. Well, it's absolutely not ridiculous that Shane Laurie's going to pick ahead of Adrian Moronk because one. He has Ryder Cup experience. He's a major champion. He's Shane fucking Lowry. He plays in the PGA Tour week in, week out against these guys. You know, the, he, we know how high his ceiling is. He's not just, he, he, people say he hasn't been playing well for the last couple of months. Yeah, but he has been playing exceptionally well for five years. He has got a body of work that you can lean back on now. Oh, and by the way, if you actually look at the data, he's played better than Adrian Moronk all year as well. Like when they've been in comparative events, when they've been in the same fields, he's outperformed Adrian Moronk. Okay, Adrian Moronk goes and gets a fifth in the KLM Open in Holland. Well, Shane's 12th place in the Scottish Open is better than that. He's against a much stronger field. So I I just, I, I find it remarkable that people, as Kyle said earlier on, people are picked for different reasons and you need to make up that team in the best way possible. And I, I don't know if we, if we want to go through the other European picks. I, I, for me, n- none of them were controversial at all. I agree. I think Straka, like Straka is going to be a, 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 a forcing machine, right? Or, you know, four or ball. A, Love set. Four, sorry, four ball machine, just birdies out the ass. Like he could be, <laughs> you, you put him out against Brooks and he just completely neutralizes Brooks. I think he's kind of a similar, you know, profile there uh and do you know what just on on set as well you know i think a a lot of people on this side of the pond he's not a household name in the same way as tommy or shane or justin rose are but sep straka as you guys know has been performing on the pga tour for the last two years he's the world number 23 he won the john deere earlier this summer runner-up in the open made it to the tour championship i think he had the sixth best score of the week at the tour championship as tron says he makes birdies for fun but i think a lot of the reticence on this side of the pond was oh but is he really european enough you know he speaks with a thick georgia accent or whatever like he he grew up in Austria, he left at the age of 14, I think, and he just never has had an Austrian accent. You know, if you hear Victor Hovland speak 
English or if you hear Ludwig Eberg speak English, they speak it with an American accent. It's a, a product of where they went to college. And Sepp's no different from that. But I spoke to Finno last week. I said, is he sort of, would he be one of the guys though? And Finno was like, he is such a good dude. Tommy and I played with him at the Olympics. He is so proud to be Austrian. He's so proud to be European. And he's going to be, I think, um, a great fixture in that team room. I think he's going to be a really popular member of the team room. But I think he's also going to be just dangerous around that course. He's going to make birdies out of his ass. Jamie, how do we feel about, about Team Rose? Look, I, I, again, he's picked for a reason. There's already four rookies in the team. I think he'd have been mad to pick another rookie ahead of somebody who's playing in a sixth Ryder Cup, who's been there, seen it, done it, got the T-shirt, knows what it's like, has won Ryder Cups. Again, a big name, a big game player, a major champion, somebody who's unfazed playing against these American guys week in, week out. So I, I don't think you leave someone like Justin Rose at home. And actually statistically he's actually had a pretty good season obviously he won at pebble beach he's had a couple of good finishes in the majors as well okay he hasn't been great in recent weeks but again i he's just in fucking rose like he's he's a, he's he's a, he's a former world number one he's a big game player he's stayed committed he could have mailed it in he could have gone and gotten a big check and he hasn't and he's and he's doubled down on his game and he's he's found form and i respect that he's doing his corny ass social media stuff this week with the the team rose stuff. I don't think it could be understated how many corny things ZJ is probably going to do throughout the week. And there's <laughs> going to be some sort of uniform kerfuffle. There's going to be something that's just so cringeworthy that it's going to, it's going to really give the European team some life. The ZJ thing is so interesting to me, Tron, because if, if it's true that you've got all these behind the scenes data guys and, and people like coordinating, basically you've got, you've got, offensive and defensive coordinators and position coaches and all this stuff like you want your captain to be the guy that presents well and he's like kind of does the opposite it's kind of like jay monahan didn't stricker <laughs> yeah but stricker was at least earnest stricker stricker yeah. was like heartfelt yeah. and earnest cj's thirsty and cj just like i don't know even the 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 introductory uh the captain's picks press conference was not good it's like like weird be bad yeah in the hair plugs like the amount of hair plugs that he has i think andy andy and poor i've mentioned this i think on the shotgun start like he has got the potential to do something extraordinary to be the first u.s captain to win on european soil in 30 years and like his resume is already like i know we love to shit on zj but he's won a Masters around Augusta. He's won an Open Championship around the old course, and he could be about to be a winning captain on European soil. That puts him in like a different stratosphere of achievements in his career. He can command whatever fee he wants for after dinner speaking for the rest of his life. So you know that he must be fully, you know, even just purely for his own self-interest, he must be so invested in this. But he he just comes off like I it's I horrible. Know. But here's where I have faith, Kyle. Like. I don't think he has a team that he's presented with a bunch of tough options or tough decisions, right? Like, yeah. you look at what Furek brought over. It's like, dude, what do I do with Phil and Bryson and Bubba and Webb and Tiger? Like, how do I, how do I navigate that versus like the U.S. team seems pretty malleable. Like, it seems like there's not a ton of, you know, do I go with the old guy or the young rookie? You know, the speed read sitting versus, you know, uh, whatever happened in 2014. Like, it just seems like the decisions won't be. Uh, they're not obvious, but there's not a lot of bad 
options to throw out there. It just, I don't know. It, it, I, I struggle to see. He, it'd, be, it'd be pretty hard to find guys that don't, with the information they have and how well this team seems to get along, it'd be tough to find pairings that were like, like blatantly bad. It's, it's hard to get wrong. Yeah, I think it's... Is it still pods? I don't know. I don't know that. Uh, I, I don't really think so because I think they view it pretty differently between foursomes and four ball. And, and they're, you know, if you remember 2021, I mean, Spieth and Reed played foursomes in the morning and then uh, JT and Cantley went out in the afternoon and Spieth and Kepka played together, right? Because I assume that's because they said, actually, your guys' four ball data doesn't match up the same way your foursomes does. And I think that was a little, little outside the box. I didn't go great. So I don't know if they abandoned that this go around, but I think it is again such a different scenario than any time they've gone over i know i keep saying that i know we spend a lot of time like talking about the bottom few guys i still think that's really important because like if i look back to 2021 the rory hovlands and and roms just had to carry so much burden like you have to like that pressure of having to play amazing golf i don't think it's a coincidence that like xander and cantley are completely forgettably went i think they both went undefeated it's because they had so much like core nucleus underneath them that the like you don't have to carry the same burden. It's not the same pressure on every match. You don't have to pair up with, you know, a guy 9, 10, 12. You know, when your 9, 10, 11, 12 guy is a, a, a very serious dude and not like what the Europe has on the bottom of it, it it's it's just adds a whole different layer of, of performance, right? You end up looking at the top guys' records in some of these and be like, oh, yeah, I mean, Rory was a, a bit of an anchor. Hovland was, was horrible. But it's like I actually put more of that on the bottom uh, of how the team filled out than I do strictly on the performance of the top guys. I think there's there's really something to that. How do we feel about it? You know, Kyle, what do you think of the Burns pick? Were you, were you surprised by that? A little bit. Yeah, I, w- I was a little bit surprised. I think it's who I wanted them to pick. I've not been compelled by Cam Young as a player this year or as even like a team, uh, like one of the uh, part of the President's Cup last year. I think in retrospect, having watched uh, the video that you and DJ did at Marcus Simone and and read more about the course and all these different things, I think Cam Young would have, I think that would have made a ton of sense. Um, but I'm not, I don't think Sam Burns is like some, you know, crazy, like, oh, I can't believe they took him over Cam Young. I think people got on the Cam Young thing. You said this, Sally, I think on the the uh, the deep dive thing, uh, a pod with KBV of, because uh, Fred Couples said that he's going to be on the team, and it's like, and and we even talked about this. Like, wait a second, Cam Young's a, is he a lock? Like, because he's he popped up at the Open and kind of at the at the John Deere, but he didn't really do a ton between off the top of my head between the Masters and now. So I don't know. I could have gone either way with that. I think Sam Burns he was in the final group at the Open, wasn't he? Yeah, I think Sam Burns just from a team fit seems to fit better with this crew and that's not everything but as we've talked about it's it's definitely something so i'm i'm fine with it although i i think i would have been fine with cam young as well i go back to uh, i listen back at, at at post president's cup and it's like i i declared that sam burns was the best player on the u.s team on that one right and i know yeah. record did not reflect it and there's plenty of data uh, information out there of like dude he made seven birdies and 14 holes on his own ball and they lost the match. And like, he, he was really, really good at quail hollow, right? This is obviously very different, but um, again, speaks to what, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't have information on it, but it speaks to like, they probably have a role in mind for him and probably gives him more options maybe than Cam Young does. I, I don't know exactly how to set up a foursomes team, but man, 
sure seems like pairing Scotty with somebody that can putt really well versus like a Cam Young seems like a good deal, right? If you want to stack the holes where Scotty is hitting the approach shots in and you have Sam uh, Sam Burns putting for him, that seems like a pretty darn good combination to me. I don't know if you can do that as well as much at Marcus Money as you could at Whistling Straits, but I don't know. That seems like a, a, a decent plan, and I was surprised by it just based off that Fred interview, but I, I'm, I'm totally fine with it. Well, and I think I think when you know you just said this, but like when when statistical analysis is even close, like because you can, I mean, we've all made the stats say a bunch of different things that we want them to say, but when it, even behind the scenes, when the deep dive stuff is even close, you have to ride with the guy that you feel like is going to be the better teammate, team fit, Kim, like all that stuff, and so I think that you could talk me into like, hey, Cam Young and Sam Burns, it was kind of a close call statistically. Sam Burns just, and, and again, I've not been behind the scenes with these guys, so I don't know this to be true. It seems like Sam Burns, from a competitive standpoint, from a fit-in standpoint, is just a better fit than than uh, than Cam Young. I think if it's a pick that means you get the very best out of the best player in your team, then it kind of is a very sensible pick. And that contradicts what I said earlier about Scotty kind of saying, I want Sam Burns, my partner, but... It actually does make sense. Scotty Scheffler is the best player in your team. How do you maximize the amount of points that he wins on Friday and Saturday? You pick the guy who pairs best for them. And again, none of this is black and white. Like if Sam Burns was a zero strokes gained player to this year, I think that probably would not have carried the day. It would not have been enough for him to offset the, the positive that he brings in the team room, right? And if it, that's, I think, where people are getting a little hung up on, like, does the data matter or does it? Does it not? It is a component of how you look into this, right? And Yeah, well, what matters is your value. What value do you bring to the team? Some of that might be data. Some of it might be team uh, player, uh, uh, foursomes fit. Some of it might be as an emotional leader. Like people get hung up on finishes. And, and I used to do this. Finishes, numbers, wins, all that stuff. What value do you bring to the team? And I think, I think obviously we've talked about JT's value. And I think Burns brings a ton of value as well. So that's where 2018 cleared the deck for me of like, dude, couldn't have been hot. US team couldn't have been hotter. Bryce yeah. wins two playoff events. Tiger wins the week before the Ryder Cup and came over and went 0 and 4, right? It's just like, if there was, if, if somebody could model this out for me and show, like, hey, recent form in the weeks leading up to the Ryder Cup being hot translates to winning a ton of Ryder Cup matches, I'm willing to, to listen to that, but I don't necessarily think it does. I, Five years ago, I would have thought that, right? It would have been like, let's get the hottest hand in the U.S. Did the Horschel rule thing. They picked Ryan Moore the Sunday night before the tournament, which was outrageous at Hazeltine looking back at it. And I just don't think that's like the best way to go about forming a, a team now. I once thought that, and I have evolved from that. It's like an Annie Ann's pretzel. You need the, you need the pretzel, and then you need the sour cream you know, seasoning on it. Uh, no, I think a couple things. I think Scotty, I think this set of matches has the potential to break Scotty. Like if Scotty misses some putts and they stop giving him putts inside of like three feet and he misses those, like that could, that could be one of the most demoralizing, debilitating things ever. Right. And let's say Burns runs a putt by, you know, let's say you set up Burns to, to be putting on some of these holes and then he runs a putt by and Scotty misses the comebacker and they, and they go from, winning a hole to losing a hole like that stuff. That's some serious scar tissue there. Uh, and just looking at the top end, like, yeah, obviously Scotty's that dog right now, but um, otherwise going down the European side, Hovland, Rom, Rory, Tommy, like these guys have been, I know Rom's been a little bit off, but these guys have been playing some of the best golf 
and they're they're like their top end is better than anything that the US side has to offer right now, I think. So I don't know. I just I'm looking at this and I'm like, man, the, like I will take Rom up against anybody on the US side. I'll take Hovland's ceiling against anybody. I'll take Rory, obviously. I'll take Tommy's last six months have been impregnable. I mean, it's it's crazy. Impregnable. I think Scotty beat Rom in all three playoff events, by the way. This isn't 72 hole stroke play, Kyle. This I, is know, match play. I know, I know, I know. But, but when but Scotty Scheffler's standing over those three foot putts, as Tron says, I, I don't disagree. I'm just, he was kind of using recent form to prove his point, which I don't Not think. Not even was... recent, of just like a, over the last year of, you know, pretty big sample size. Like who's, who are the dogs? Who are the alphas? Right. So our guys playing Fortinet, our guys playing Wentworth. What's the deal with prep? All 12 of the European team are playing Wentworth next week. Okay. And four of the vice cap, you know, four of the vice captains and Luke Donald are all playing as well next week. So I think on, I could be wrong on this, but I think on Monday of next week, between the Sunday of the Irish Open and them all getting to Wentworth, I think they're all going to Marco Simone as a group as well. I think the US team might be there at Marco Simone this week. I know that JT and uh, Max Homer are playing in Napa. I don't know who else is, Solly. I don't know off the top of my head, but I know I, you're right on those two. And Brooks is playing at Rich Harvest Farms. The week before the Ryder Cup, which is yeah, okay. less than ideal. Which, which I wouldn't put it past the European team to like, hey, everybody thinks that certain things are going to be important here or there. Like, I could see them setting up the course a certain way this week when the European when, when the U.S. team visits and then changing some things over the next two or three weeks. Holotining the grains this morning. Yeah. <laughs> That's already on the US team radar, TC, I can report. Jamie Kennedy was uh, tweeting about how the, like, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the European team is longer and more wild off the tee than the US team, which is not what people, what, like the average fan would think is the case. So I, I'm very intrigued. And I know we've talked in the past about how this sort of, uh, the PGA tour creates uniformity and like style. You don't, you don't get a diversification of styles, which stinks and kind of comes into play as more and more euros come to play the, the, the PGA tour. So I, I'm interested to see how differently they set it up than like golf national in, in 2018. I'm just finding Jamie's tweet from this morning. Cause you're right about the more wild off the tee, but I think it's something like, Europe's driving accuracy is 59.7% and the US is 60.3%. So we're talking about 0.6 of a percent. But yes, yeah. it is, they are 0.6% wilder. Yes, the narrative is that it's, you know, a crazy yeah. differentiation. Yeah. But some of it could also be, all right, like we know that these guys can play disciplined. We know that these guys don't like to play disciplined. Like there's, there's, there's different psychologies around it as well. Yeah. I'm so keen. I might have to fly over from Spain, do like an early week site visit just to, just to see what's going on. Consult with Ludwig, consult with Tommy and Finno. Those just guys. All on, that. on that note, Tron, given that you flew across the Atlantic uh, in vain to um, see Tommy as he was not in vain. Claret jug. Was not in vain. Not in vain because you got to see me. You got to have a lovely yeah. three-hour journey from Liverpool to Heathrow where you slept for two and a half hours of it. Um, but I think one of the questions, Solly, correct me if I'm wrong, was do you regret not flying over to Switzerland on Sunday? Ludwig had to do it all on his own. There was no one to give him a hug off the back of the 18th green. No, my, my relationship with Ludwig is different than my relationship with Tommy. You know, Ludwig's, you know, left the nest. I feel like he's, he's like a, he's like my kid at college, 
You know, he needs to do it on his own. He, I can't be a helicopter parent with him. You know? we, a lot, I, I know we're, we're going a long time here, but uh, we've got a lot of questions from people asking for pairings ideas. And again, I'm way more intimidated by this process. Now, I used to like throw out pairings all the time, but now I learned that what, the detail that goes into them, I'm like super, super hesitant to, to be like, uh, I don't want to get shot again where I was like, hey, would these two guys be a good pairing? They're like, oh, that'd be like the last thing that we would ever consider. Well, are we going to do one more pod before the, before the week itself? Because we could do pairings then. We can. I mean, I think from the U.S. side, I think, it, you know, obviously the Scotty Burns thing is where a lot of people are going to go. Xander Cantlay, obviously, JT Spieth. I'd be stunned if that wasn't uh, what happens on morning foursome. Uh, a little variable from Europe this go around that foursomes is going first. They've not done that yeah. since at least right. the 90s. I don't know when uh, the last time they've done that in, in that order, but that would be what I would expect um, in the morning. I don't, I would get, I don't, Max and Morikawa was like what I would guess for uh, the final spot in that morning, but I, I, I could be, I don't know, I'm kind of pulling some of these out of my ass, but. Anyway. Yeah, they all pair up really nicely and, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, there's going to be some new pairings this time. I mean, like, there's going to, for Europe, out of necessity, there has to be because Rory's always been paired with Poulter or Sergio in the past. And obviously Ram last time was paired with Sergio. And I think Ram also in France was paired with Justin Rose five years ago. I don't know if that makes a lot of sense this time as a pairing, but, you know, there's going to have to be, Justin Rose obviously has always been paired with Henrik Stenson in the past. That's not going to be possible. So from a European standpoint, there's going to be a lot of new pairings. And it's going to be intriguing to see what they are. But as Tron says, I don't really think you can go massively wrong. I think there are a lot of guys that pair nicely with each other. In the US, I think there's a few more question marks, like who do you pair Wyndham Clark with? Who do you pair Brian Harmon with? Who does Brooks go out with? Ricky Fowler has played in, what well, this is his fifth Ryder Cup, but he played, I think, five years ago with Dustin Johnson. I think at Hazeltine he played with... Um, I can't remember now off the top of my head. 2016, I think he played with... 2014 at Glen Eagles, he played with Jimmy Walker. In his first Ryder Cup in 2010, he played with Phil. I think he played with Phil in Hazeltine, actually. I think his first one, he played with Phil and Furick. So, like, none of those guys are in the team anymore. So, for Ricky Fowler, it's going to have to be a completely brand new partner this time. And obviously, he's extremely tight with JT and Spieth. But are you going to break, break those two up? Well, maybe you do break them up if JT can't find the planet first thing Friday morning and it ends up being Jordan and Ricky for the next couple of sessions who knows but I think there are as you said Solly it's just it's a complete fool's game trying to second guess the captains and vice captains because we get it wildly wrong but I think there are some certainly some more obvious pairings in the US time if I had to guess I'd say Wyndham and Brooks and four ball that'd be a, a, a guess I would have for that afternoon um which puts uh Brian Harmon and and Ricky together potentially uh in that afternoon um I, I think there's a, I don't know, again, maybe a misnomer of like, yeah, you want your, like your straightest drivers of the ball to be playing foursomes. I, I don't know if that rings out true. Right. I, I think people picture Harmon as a perfect foursomes guy. Maybe he is, maybe, you know, again, I think the U S is not going to run. I, I'd be surprised if they had a lot of anyone go five. I, I really would be surprised if they had anyone go five. Um, Who do you send out first for, for us? On Friday, yeah, both teams. It's foursomes. Yeah, can't land shuffling. This is where the war game stuff like goes. It's like, all right, well, what does Europe typically do, and what are you trying to do? What you're trying to do is say you want your fourth best team to play their best team is how you'd want it, and then you'd want to be staggered like your second versus their third, their third versus like you'd want to stagger it so you're favored in three of them and and under big underdogs in one and hope to flip it. Like that's how what the U.S. and both teams are trying to do, right? So. It's that's where the chess match is. It's like, is Europe going to send a great team out first? Or are they going to send like a riskier team out first? And I'm going to say 
Rory and Tricky Vicky against Cantlay and Chauffelet. There you go. Boom. I love the way you pronounce Chauffelet. Chauffelet. The, Tricky the proper Vicky. way. Tricky. <laughs> Who is calling him that? We all call him Tricky Vicky over here. Get with the program. I, guys, I'll do this every week. I mean, I'll take up all your time if you want, but uh, I'm happy <laughs> to do another one before this. But, uh, you know what, what would concern me is a Ludwig Rory four ball pairing. That would be a, that would not be ideal. Bad bad boy shit. <laughs> yes, bad boy shit. Yes, it would not not be good. I, Ten and eight. I just want to say too, like we're looking ahead, we're looking at Beth Page. Like I said earlier, I think Beth Page is going to be one of the worst, most disgraceful, <laughs> vanilla, boring setups of all time on those flat ass greens. And then we're looking ahead at Adair Manor in twenty seven. We could have, you know, we're going to have. Adrian Dumont did you start on there? We're going to have both, both Hoyguards. We're going to have Ludwig, obviously. We're going to have Albert Hansen. You know, I'm sure there's some guys coming up in the in the ranks of the English. Rory, Victor, Ron. Find a clip to play back in five years. I could see it happening. He's laying the groundwork for for the look back. I told you. What about uh, your boy, Matthias Schwab, that she said would be at this Ryder Cup? Yeah, you know, disappointed in, in uh, his results. I think Vincent Norman could, could make another leap and be on, Schmid. be on the next two teams. Matty Schmidt, of course. You're doing the Jamie Weir anyway. thing. I think that's 35 guys on the 2025 team. But another round of predictions. Has anyone predictions changed? I, I've said U.S. 15 and a half, uh, Europe 12 and a half. I'm going to stick with it, even if I don't feel as good about that as I once did. But um, I'm going to trust the process. Jamie? Uh, I've never wavered from Europe 14 and a half, U.S. 13 and a half. I'm going to stick with that. Kyle? I've definitely wavered, uh, but not with team. I've picked the U.S. I'm going. I'm going the opposite of Jamie. Fourteen and a half, thirteen and a half U.S. I think. I think regardless, it's going to be super close, which I'm excited about. I'll go sixteen, twelve Europe. Okay. How many points did Ludwig six and zero oh, or? Uh, Ludwig goes three and one. Okay. Okay. All right. So that's a that is a change from your previous prediction. You're announcing that to. <laughs> Okay. It is. All right. It is. It is. Yeah. I think Sep will go four now. Sep will go. Four. I think Harmon's going to have a good a good one. I think I think Hovland's going to be a nuclear weapon. Guys, I have no fucking idea what's going to happen. I, I really don't. Which is which is the best? <laughs> which is the beauty I of have it? So much confidence in Luke and Dodo and Bjorn and all those guys. I think they've got some tricks up their sleeves. I think you know versus. I think they're going to throw some things out and ZJ's head's going to explode. I'm just, I'm already so excited for Dodo and Frankie standing on that first tee 20 minutes before the first tee time at 7.15 a.m. on Friday, giving it the old Viking thunderclap to the 12,000 fans behind that first tee. It's going to be absolutely brilliant. It's going to be the noise that this one has a chance to be one of the best ever for you. I haven't been to, I've not been to, I've only been to one European Ryder Cup. So I haven't been to the Belfry, which I know is one of TC's favorites. The golf national was very flat and kind of tough to get the, the vantage points. And like Marco Simone has, you know, I have some logistical concerns about the whole surrounding area and how they're going to do all that and get all these people in and out. But I think it has a chance to like reverberate. I think the golf course is still horrific but uh at the same time i think for fans it has a chance to be one of the loudest and coolest uh you know experiences in that regard if you don't mind watch people just hack out a waste high rough so well you've been to one more european rider cup than i have so i'm absolutely buzzing i can't wait to get there oh 
So like from a setup perspective, do you think they're, they'll put the pins in the front of the, or, you know, kind of in the middle of the greens or you think they'll tuck them or, or what? I, I don't know. I think what Europe is going to try to do is maybe a little different than what I would have guessed in terms of where they're trying to get the approach play coming in from. Um, I would have thought they would, you know, in my in my head, like they wouldn't want to stretch it out and make it a you know a mid to long iron test. But I'm hearing some rumblings that they may try to do that, may want to do that. That may be where their statistical advantage is. Which again, that's the level of granular detail. I just I we don't have, really have access to. So. Pins, I would think it's going to depend on the situation, right? If they're up going into Sunday, do you put them more towards the middle of the green? I, I, in my mind, I still don't really know how all that works out, right? I mean, you still got to all play the holes, and, and and I don't really understand what they learned from Medina. You know, they put them in the corners of the greens, and I guess Europe could just fire at them at will, and the U.S. was playing, you know, more conservatively, and that's what cost them, and they didn't want to do that for Hazeltine. But um, I honestly, TC, the level of data would be like, all right, for our faders that the guys are going to be hitting fades into these pins. Like we're going to put them on the right side of the green shout out to P and uh, you know, for blah, blah, like they're going to, it's, it's that level of detail. I think in terms of how you're just trying to gain those one, 2% edges that you hope by the end of, you know, 28 matches that it adds up to a, a difference in points. Jamie, will, will Guido be there for, for, for moral support? I imagine Guido might be there as a buggy driver uh, for moral support. Um, Conversely, will Blocky be there? Oh, I, 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 I guarantee I, you the PGA oh, of America. Yeah. I would put Mrs. Weir's house and Blocky being there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry for DJ. He wanted Matteo Manacero on this uh, on this team on, when we were in the RV yeah. in 2021. God, Blocky and ZJ. What a what a pairing what, what battle! A, what a thirst bucket. Maybe Michael Jordan too. Guys, I can't wait to do this again when absolutely nothing has changed between now and that next, that next point where we do it. But I can go. I know we said every time, but how have we spoken for an hour and fifty-five minutes? I just don't know. And we barely. I mean, we didn't even talk about a lot of the guys. Well, I know thirty minutes of it was uh, some of the some maybe some of our worst content of all time. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe I could, could see maybe I could see ZJ. I could see ZJ bringing DJ Khaled over as well. All right, that's that's the end of the show. Thank you <laughs> for tuning in. Thanks to all of you for your time. I'm sure we'll be back uh, for more Ryder Cup content. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect